This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. All right, hello, and welcome to Aetherite Radio Gamer Escapes Final Fantasy XIV podcast. Lorecast today, we're doing it. We're still, we're, we still haven't finished our Endwalker Lorecasts. So much. Ed there was so much at Endwalker. It's just it's so cute. large. So many things. We're like, yeah, we'll do this in like two parts. Our, our outline still says part one and part two. <laughs> we were foolish. Uh, joke. I just love that when we first were like, oh yeah, we'll break it into two. And Moose was like, you sure it's going to be two? And we were like, we're not, we're not, we're okay, going to spend one, yeah. we're going to spend one episode talking about Boja and like three episodes later. Yeah. Oh man. Um, we do. I mean, there's there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, so today, again, Lorecast and Walker spoilers. If you have not gone through all of the uh, Elpis area stuff in Endwalker, uh, that's what we're talking about today. So you have been warned. Uh, Rook is, is excited. excited. You're already <laughs> dancing. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is my favorite part of the whole expansion. This was a gift. This was Very a gift. Very pretty. Yeah, uh, not a whole lot of news uh, going on. Uh, apparently, Gabe Newell plays fourteen. He heals f- for his son, who's a tank. So that's that's and cool. He plays it on the Steam Deck, so it's playable. Yeah, on the he, Steam he, has, deck. he has been playing it on the Steam Deck. So uh, if you're one of the people that that were lucky and got a Q1 uh, pre-order, <laughs> you can't play fourteen. You can also sideload. Don't forget, it doesn't have to. You don't have to have mm-hmm. it on Steam. So, yep. but anyway, I don't have a Steam Deck, so. I can't say Not until past quarter two for me. So, yeah, I, I reserved mine in like mid January. I'm like, eh, maybe we'll we'll see yeah. if I get the email anytime in the next like five years. Yeah, so, we'll see. But yeah, so uh, we're just going to go ahead uh, and dive right into things here. Um, so last time we left off, we were getting ready. Uh, we were wrapping up Garlemald uh, with with Puddingway and his wonderful emotes and animations and just. Pudding way. Whole being. So yeah. great. Love pudding way. Um, I actually, I sat here for a second and I went, we were wrapping up Garlemald and then I went, oh right, there's that weird little return to Garlemald mm-hmm. thing that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alice says some words to Xenos. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorite cutscenes. One of my favorite memes I've seen actually is that cutscene. And she's like, hey Xenos, look at me. And she just goes, bitch. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's totally in character. I love it. It is. Yeah, that this. weird little return to Garlemald was like such a strange, bizarre little thing. But it was worth it for Alice just being like, hey, stop. And then exactly that. That was yeah. totally worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, so uh, we're going to start <laughs> off uh, Elpis. We're like, what's Elpis? This dude on the moon was like, Elpis. We're like, okay. Um so we go to the first and we do some crazy stuff. We go into the tower. Well, we, we catch up with a couple of people first, which is, it's weird, right? You get into Endwalker and it's like, what kind of role is the first going to play in this story? Because it's very much just off to the side. Um, are we going to go back? Is it going to have any kind of major, you know, story implications or anything? Uh, we just go over there and we see Lena and she's like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, how's, how's, how's Catboy? Tell him not to to you know exert overexert himself. I'm like, okay, we'll tell him. Too that. late. Yeah, too late. 
Uh, we see Reen for for yeah, like two seconds, um, and that's it. That's really all the all the interactions. Did we, did we even see her? I don't remember. She she flags the quest to go into yeah. the Crystal Tower, and and yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I forgot that she was even in here until I was going to like prep <laughs> some of the notes for here, and I'm like quest giver Reen. Oh yeah, she was there. Okay. Yeah. I was honestly surprised they didn't have Gaia show up with her. I mean, I guess maybe because they depended on the that, story like, pro- progression. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, like depends on if you've mm-hmm. done rave stuff or not. But it really seems to me like those two, as like a duo of characters, could very much be big characters down the road if they decide to use them in that way. So I was a little surprised, and also I was sad I didn't get to see them being cute and girlfriends. But right, <laughs> <laughs> it's at some point we're gonna be able to go to the other reflections. And they'll they'll have a bigger role. I, I I'm I'm sure. Of yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, it felt appropriate for us to just like barely touch base on this, right? I mean, the story of the first was the entire focus of the last expansion, and so to like have this moment where we do acknowledge the fact that that has been a part of our ten year journey, but to not set like an entire chapter of the story on the first felt fine to right. me. I was like, mm-hmm. this is okay. This will play a role theoretically in the future. You know, it didn't bother me that much. Yeah, we're walking up to the Crystal Tower, and Range is like, please remember that we once lived. <laughs> um, Die? They're still alive! Well, it was a quote, <laughs> but uh, never mind. I was trying I to be know. Funny. I'm sorry! I'm sorry. I'm Just sorry not appearing in this film. <laughs> um, so you go into the Crystal Tower, and your thought is, hey, like, we we kind of know, like, an ancient that might know a little bit about what Elpis is. We imprisoned him in the Crystal Tower. I'm sure he's still there, somehow. And and because plot needs to be, you know, explained and stuff, we're just like, yeah, he's trapped in there, and we're gonna use a, an Allegan computer, and we're just gonna like boot up the uh, Elitibus app, and uh, we have we have a little chat with him, um, and he talks just like a smidge about Elpis, um, and I think was it was it here. Uh, where he says that you had met bef- before, Was yeah, it, at this part, yeah, it's, it's a little weird the way it happens too. Like, uh, the, like this whole scene, it feels kind of like contrived in a way, um, but in a way that I'm like, I'm grateful they they approached it the way they did, I guess, because um, there was actually a debate before this about whether Elidibus was still whole in there or not. Yeah, yeah, because. Even if you tried to read the languages of like what was said in the journals and all that other kind of stuff, like some of them were like, yeah, he's been like completely done, dusted. He's missed oblivion. And then some were like, yeah, we trapped him in the tower. So like there was a lot of debate about which one was going to end up being true. And I appreciate that the answer ended up being, yeah, he's done and dusted. His soul's been disintegrated and it's in the tower. So we're just going to use his computer to like bring it all back together. And therefore, neither side is really right or wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Um And then as we're talking to him, he's like, yeah, but you weren't there. Oh, wait, yes, you were. So it's kind of almost like the conjunction of time is hitting him at that very moment. But Mm -hmm. if that's the implication, I'm not sure. I mean, that that could be because we and this this comes into play towards the end of Elpis. But we get this this line that basically says, like, hey, like, you know, after you die, like all your memories return to you. So, like, this was kind of his moment where he's like, yeah, no. Oh, no, I do remember that. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we actually well, had that way back with uh, Grandpa in uh, Charlian, too, when he was giving us our magic lesson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the whole paper, paper ink thing. 
yeah, but yeah, with yeah. him, it was a theory, and later on, they're like, no, 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 he's right, old guy, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's this, correct. this is one hundred percent a thing. <laughs> I mean, it does make sense, right? Like, we at least yeah. have known for a long time that like the souls of Asians can be stored in a thing or a site specifically. We've gotten all this stuff recently about things like that, and so him being in there, yes, I agree, in that it felt contrived, and like you could very much see how they had set this up, and yet at the same time, I wasn't mad about it because I was mm-hmm. like. This is a thing that logically I would probably also exploit. Do you know what I mean? And then the ties that they even did in the dungeon previous to that, where because of the time travel with the Crystal Tower and the sort of Alexander throwback and all the stuff that had been integrated into the technology of this thing, um, the fact that it used to be used as like a portal to the world of darkness, like there's so much potential with this one giant tower to break the laws of all realities that it does make sense to use it in this way. Um, and I was actually glad to see him again. And it's it's always that kind of question with time travel, right? How do these things all come together? Like technically in this timeline, can we say that yes, the past already happened, so therefore we were already a part of it. And yet if we don't make the choice in the future to actually follow that path and become a part of the past, then like, has it really happened? So yeah, those little lines, the acknowledgement suddenly, I think it's a clever way to play into the time element but also be like, yeah, probably five years ago, we didn't know this was going to happen. And it's always so. said like, oh, no, time travel. Are we doing like Terminator rules, back to the future rules? Like, what, what are people going to start disappearing out of a photograph we have? Like, what's going to happen? Oh, man. No, I, I made the... <laughs> I made the same joke because I've been like an outspoken proponent against time travel because of how much it usually costs, like the narrative, the world setting. It's usually just it does some damage. Um, And at this point in the story and another point in the story later, I actually like stopped playing and on the stream just went on these like long rants about like different types of time travel and implications of time travel. And at one point I like pulled up PowerPoint and was like going through like. (laughs) So wait a minute, we've got like a bootstrap paradox for Alexander. And then around that is like a changing of time. But the the Y-shaped timeline that we branched off of now breaks and goes back and has another bootstrap paradox connected before and after that point in time. And it was just like, I don't know where we are. Anymore, then, and then like, the, I, the next slide of the PowerPoint is just Ishikawa pointing to the crystal tower going, this lets me do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And this is like part of what drove me nuts about like the like when we're talking about like the sensible contrived nature of it. Like, yeah, this is a great idea to connect it. It's addressing the stuff we want to, but you can see the stitching in a couple places. Like in order to get to the first in the first place, they needed to have more than just the emperor's throne. Like that could break open the way to the void, but the void is an empty dimension. Like if you break open the space between two dimensions, usually one's just deleted. So how do you get around that? And they did this whole like creative convoluted thing where you use Omega Alexander and um, the Emperor's throne all at once to like break out of one world and into the other and ride the rift and, you know, move through time. And so how do we do that with just Elidibus in the tower now? And he has this one throwaway line that's just like, oh, yeah, well, I was in Graha's head. I took all his memories. And that's done. That's, Easy. That's the answer. So I guess like I don't I don't know how that explains it. Like does like um does Graha's like photographic memory still have all of the wings of time omega calculations sitting into it like that that computer that we did a couple patches ago? There's, I don't know. Really ultimately a, what it was a, is a he guy. saw 
Graha's password for that computer that you use to talk to a little yeah. bit. And so he was like, um, I love war- guide, I like love Warrior guidebook. of Light one exclamation mark. Like, it's easy to get in. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess it's possible that the tower itself would have a bunch of that data and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him being a part of it. I mean, I totally agree. And especially with the memory thing as well. It's like we've literally seen in Boja that memories are incredibly unreliable when re-experiencing them. So, like, <laughs> there is... There is a lot there where, yes, it's kind of like the contrivance, right? And mm-hmm. yet, I was so excited by the <laughs> contrivance. Yeah. Like I personally, yes. It's just like, to me, the payoff was so worth it that Elidibus looks me in the eyes like, hey, my ghost is here and I'm going to take you back to Elpis. And I'm like, all right, buddy, I don't need to know anything else. I do, I do wonder, know? right, in the development of this, um, obviously mm-hmm. they have like their major plot points, right? But I'm curious, because um, right now, like they're working on the next expansion, right? Um, so I'm curious if after 5.3 came out, if that reception to that that story and to Elidibus, they're like, okay, can we like, shoehorn him in here somewhere uh yeah we'll throw him in the crystal tower or something and he'll help you go to this place sure i you know who knows right if if they you know and i mean who knows if that's even the you know if that could be why we got elpis all together was just because of the reaction that people had to to Shadowbringers and emmet and mm-hmm. i feel like they already have a significant portion of things underway when we finally get to see this the story in Shadowbringers. so what do i know what do i truly know right i suspect it's a little of column a a little column b like i think they knew that this was the like roughly what was going to happen but that when they saw how popular everything was from Shadowbringers, they were like let's flesh this out a little more let's make this a little more fan servicey let's lean into it a little harder (laughs) and that's how that's how it got to be this way a little more a little more agents Yeah. yeah i think it's a little bit of each oh totally yeah there's so much in there too that like honestly and they kind of with the recent stuff that we were talking about with the Q&A and the live letter right they've even kind of danced around some of the other questions like how did Azem know about mm-hmm. about you being there and this or that what was Azem doing during the final days and they're like oh we have ideas but I don't know if we'll get to them they and were playing it- Dome and Mahjong and decorating their house they already said this <laughs> during the last live letter <laughs> I I mean I but Doma didn't that- exist yet yeah That's so true. it had to be like you know the original Mahjong <laughs> yeah he he invented mahjong and then played yeah. it yes um okay. i mean or i she. think that this yeah, that's true. they uh but like i yeah i think there's so many possibilities with this and honestly i think it's really fun to go back so to find some kind of way to make this mm-hmm. work that feasibly fits within the realm of suspension of disbelief i'm like that's fine with me because experiencing things firsthand like actually having a connection to that world actually mm-hmm. like because we obviously they want to leave things vague in regards to how they would portray a character like Azem since that is essentially your character right so to do it in this kind of way to give you yourself a direct experiential connection to the realm and world of the ancient and to understand mm-hmm. what was lost and what the stakes are and like why there might be even more motivation for characters like the Asians or what remains it's like I loved that. And I thought that that payoff was, I was like, that's good. Like, I don't, I don't need to really worry about anything else. So I just, it's magic. They're ancients. They can analyze magic and reproduce Look, it. That's just final what I fantasy. Okay. This no, is, I mean, this it is makes where the fantasy sense. comes in. They literally created all of magic. They know how to do it. They could analyze a spell and recreate it. How did a little bit summon people from beyond the rift during 5.3? He didn't learn that. He didn't ask Rahatia. He just knew. That's just what I 
expected. I was like, oh, yeah, well, he figured it out. What, Makes sense. What does the seat of Elidibus do? Oh, I'd have to look that up again. The seat what? of Elidibus was the, the mediator, correct? Mediator, yeah. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the mediator for people? Yeah. The, the, I think the most um, effective word for it is like arbitrator. Like mm -hmm. their job was to consider all of the stuff that they were debating and chart the past mm -hmm. or chart the best path forward for everyone. And mm -hmm. this involved like there would be like disputes on the convocation and a, the elitibus would be responsible for hearing out every side and choosing the, the best path forward for everyone. And that's kind of how they made sense of Elidibus always trying to manipulate things and see the future is because mm. like that's his role is to look at all of the systemic factors in play and figure out what's going to happen, what the probabilities are and what, what, what would be best for it to happen, which is part of the tragedy of his character. Because when like mm. the, the will and soul of Zodiac is the only thing he's loyal to, his one purpose becomes corrupted. And I think like that's that's really the tragedy of his character the whole time. Yeah, I asked because um, we had Emmett Silk, who was looking at everything that was put together in the Crystal Tower going, how did they do this? Which makes me think maybe they couldn't just go and magic. Mm -hmm. It's because I wanted to. And I was like, well, does that fall more under a different seat? Like a litibus, perhaps? Who knows? Uh, anyway, so let's talk about Elpis. Let's, let's actually talk about Elpis now. We have all this talk and we haven't even gotten into the plot yet. So um, you get you get sent to Elpis, which is this uh, facility that the ancients use to basically uh, see what kind of life forms or creations were like fit to exist. Right. They'd be like, I got this really cool idea for this thing. It's called a gubu. Hold on. I'm really sorry. I have okay. to pull us back. Just okay. A little bit. Okay. I wrote down this quote that Elidibus says before he sends you on to Elpis, and it's okay. heartbreaking. All right. The ones I love and long to see again are waiting in that promised land beyond memory and dream. Heartbreaking. This it's him. This good boy. That's okay, Elidibus. I looked at them and appreciated them so much. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I lost my mind in this zone. When we first loaded into this zone, <laughs> like, I just lost it. In I lost it. In English, he has that line, like, the rains have ceased, and it's another beautiful day, but you're not but you're, here to yeah. see it. Um, yeah. in, in some of the other languages, it's phrased a little differently, and one of the ones that caught me, like, really off guard in terms of, like, how meaningful it was to me, I think, like, I don't want to change out for it. I think English was perfect. I think it rocked it perfect. Keep it. But there was one that, like, was, um, how could I have been the last to go as you all went on without me alone? Mm. It was, like... Yeah, that one broke me. It was like the idea that he stayed to fight a war that they could never win as everyone went on without him and he was the last and that was never supposed to be his role. And I just like that one broke me. It's always interesting when you have those little was, differences. Yeah, it was nice. It was such a, a nice thing because it, uh, it ends him in the story. It just wraps him up in this nice little like bittersweet way. And then it's also literally talking about the place you're going. So it's a nice send off as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you get to Elpis. It's basically a, a facility um, where they kind of, you know, if, if you have like a creation, like a, like of a, of, of a living thing, they basically take it there to like observe it and see if it's like cool to be a like, shark. yeah, I made this thing. It's, it's like this shark. Apparently sharks are big right now. Everybody's making yeah. different types of sharks. I, I love that line. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody's making sharks right now. Sharks are so hot right now. 
Um, I couldn't help but wonder if they actually like gave it out to everybody in the team. Like, just come up with a random animal and we'll maybe throw it in Elvis. They'll be fine. And they just ended up with a bunch of sharks. <laughs> I I took it back to my childhood because we always had like those those weird phases like where you draw stuff in elementary school and like, you know, sharks catch on for a bit. UFOs catch yep. on for a bit. Like, that's what I mm-hmm. that's what I immediately went back to. <laughs> Yeah, I immediately thought back on the uh, the boss in is it Academia with the two yep. sharks? Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Like, I just <laughs> immediately jumped to that where I wonder if they came out of this phase. You know, I wonder if like you see something and then like you were saying, everybody else is like, oh, I want to make something like that, and then everybody's iterating. They off all of they it. all had a meeting. They're like, we want to make this new kind of boss, uh, something new. And Koji's like, '90s children's cartoons. Hey, let's make street sharks. Street sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the Captain Bucky O'Hare references to flow in next. Um, oh <laughs> um, so yeah, you get to Elpis, um, and right as you do, uh, we see two people uh, that were like, oh, I think we might know who these people are, and it's revealed that it's Emmett Selk and Hithlodius. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, AKA my boyfriends. Both of, <laughs> both of, we see both of Rook's boyfriends. Uh-huh. Um and they, they can kind of sense that you're there, so they they kind of help you. Uh, I, f- I forget what would the term be. They they like uh, they give you a bunch of ether to like make you more like whole or tangible. Um, and then they, they also reinforced your corp- reinforced your corporeal spiritual yeah. connection. And then they and then they they made you bigger, <laughs> so you don't have that super weird ancient height discrepancy thing, which I loved mm-hmm. so much. I'm like, I don't want to be in another room with like a bench that's like five feet higher than me. That was weird. I I love how that scene immediately went back on what they warned you about too. Like Elidibus is like, yeah. you're going to go back into the future, but you'll only be able to witness things because no one will be able to see don't you. And you won't be able to interact anything. with anything. And like, as soon as we landed in Elpis, I'm like, that's a lie. That's not going to happen because otherwise <laughs> this could this could have been an echo and it's not yeah. an echo. So something's going to happen. And like I walk two feet in the first two people you see in the land of you're only supposed to be observing. No one can see you. You can't touch anything. You walk two feet and you, one of them just kind of goes. Do you see that? <laughs> <laughs> I love- they're also they're also the two people most likely to see Aether. That's weird. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, we, that's know, true. Like, we know from the short stories, right? The discussion about Aether Sight and like the short story yeah. where like Hades, AKM itself, literally is talking about how certain people are able to perceive, like he's one of them. They can perceive Aether. They can perceive distinct souls and like patterns of souls and all this stuff. And I loaded into that zone with like Elidibus's little like, ha ha ha, but you won't be able to interact. And I was like, ah, shucks. And I'm standing there and I'm like looking around and I immediately went I was like huh wouldn't it be amazing if Emmett Selk or like gosh we I, we saw a glimpse of Hithlodius's hair I wonder if they and made then, a model and then like him. two <laughs> minutes later you're just looking right at Hithlodius I, like I was told not to touch anybody but I'm gonna give you a hug is that okay oh, I touched all up on that <laughs> I touched all, all up on him um I just like no I really I did not expect them to do that like I'll be completely mm-hmm. real in this mm-hmm. beat of the story I thought they would cop out on it in a sense. I thought we would be Me having too. to, yep. like, I don't know, just pretend to be somebody with a mask on and like walk around. I really did not expect that we would be talking directly to them and like interfering in this kind of way. 
And it was when we get there, we'll get there about the like whether or not you believe that things could change because we talked a little bit about this recently yeah. too. But like, I was so surprised that they were there in the flesh talking to us. I think I yelled in my recording for like 20 minutes. I was babbling. I was so excited <laughs> um, because it just brought together so many things. And like, especially meeting them there when you know that Hithlodius because we had just gotten the bomb that Hithlodius was a part of Zodiac. And like, as the mm -hmm. person who was running the Bureau of Creation, like, you know, it, it struck me this moment of like, of course he would be, he may have even had a hand in the conception of Zodiac's structure or um, in the creation of him. He may have wanted to directly be a part of him. He may like, and you just suddenly have this, oh my gosh, like you're so elated, but your stomach is also plummeting because you're <laughs> thinking about how this all comes like full circle and you know you're going to love them more than ever. And God, they're so beautiful. <laughs> and please give me those eyes in CC so that I can have some remnants <laughs> of the ancients in me, please. Like, it's so good. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's just... So they... they... Uh, when we, t we talk about how they like kind of detect you and they really what they see is th the color of your soul, which mm -hmm. is interesting. And this is this is I know there's been a little discussion about this, too, because I believe um, uh, what was, there was was it an alchemy quest moose yes. that mentioned this um, where it mentions that I, I, I believe they say that the color of your soul was blue. Yes, uh, like I it's, remember it's yeah. not going to. It's not, it's probably not as deep as you think. Um, my theory, based on the fact that, like, the water crystals, the first one you find, the color of your soul is blue, Hydalin, all that stuff, is that this is all just um, Final Fantasy brand shade blue. And I don't think it's much deeper than that. Like, the rest, it's all just kind of incidental that, like, that classic Final Fantasy blue, that's you. Mother Crystal Blue, that's the. <laughs> oh. I assumed we'd be that sort of amber, like the crystal that we have. That's yeah. That's why I wanted to bring yeah, it up because so the, of the color of the crystal. Yeah, um, they do but, definitely recognize that you are a part of Azem. So there is that, like that, or related mm -hmm. to them somehow, um, which is also interesting. And so you're just like, oh right. yeah, I'm I'm Azem's fam familiar. Yeah, totally. you're right. To I'm just gonna mm -hmm. nod my head and agree. And I just they, like I give you the answer too. They're like, what are you? Are you are you Azem's familiar? Yes. Sure, yep. that, that that sounds great, and I just I need to take a moment here, and this is one of these questions where I just I need to ask this the next time we talk to Koji and Otisam, but like at the same time I know we're not going to get a solid answer, but it's just like I feel obligated because I know I just want to see them come up with some kind of bullshit answer for this. It's like okay, so Elpis, right? This area, it's a full area, right? It's not just like a flashback cutscene thing. It's it's a full area. There's fates, there's quests. So, like, how do you explain, like, hundreds of Asm familiars just going around, killing the, the wildlife, gathering, like, what, are, is this everybody in Elpis just, like, watching, like, all these people on all these different mounts flying around, be like, ah, those damn Asm familiars, like, what is going on here? I mean, if you look at it literally in the sense of like an MMO and all of us being that character simultaneously, right? Like, mm. yes, it's funny. It's Mimi. It's it's like, this is very silly. I mean, within the conventions, though, of storytelling within MMOs, there is always that sense of the role you play as a single player, right? And a lot of times, you know, they they will try where they can to say, you know, oh, you're bringing your adventuring allies in and it's just a bunch of other people, you know, are also Warriors of Light. Um, but other times I think, it, yeah, it's just, you have to kind of just believe oh, totally. that likely 
It's it's just you. It's the just ga- of light gameplay has to be gameplay. That's just that's how my, this. <laughs> my mind always tries to kind of like find the middle ground between things and make sense of things, and it's trying to do that right now, even though we can't do that with this situation. And what it's coming up with is that in Fusion's head, what's going on is like there's going to be a conversation someday where the warrior of light's about to engage a battle and he refer- references something Minfilia said about him being the warrior of light and that these are all his adventuring allies and they all realize, wait, she said that to me too. <laughs> are none of us? She said you were the warrior of light? Oh, damn it. I thought I was her you favorite. You put all your eggs in one <laughs> basket. You just can't do that. <laughs> I like that though. That'd be hilarious. It's just, it's a thought I constantly had while running around in Elpis and doing fates. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, Azim descends like locusts. It's, it's just the way it works, right? Yep. I mean, it would also be very in character, <laughs> but it's it, like Azim yeah, exactly. didn't have time to come here themselves. How many familiars did they send? How many? We gotta get Azem familiar. Azem is just in, in 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 his office playing Domen Mahjong, and he just gets a stack of like letters. All of a sudden, it's like, "Yo, can you chill with your familiars?" He's like, "What? What are they talking about? I didn't make any familiars." <laughs> what are you even talking about? Um, so uh, after this, we find out that uh, Emmett Selk and Thelodius are there to speak uh, to uh, Hermes, um, who is the current uh, was it chief operator of Elpis? I think is the the title. Um, about taking over the seat of Fan Daniel, because um, obviously we know that at some point, you know, Fan Daniel starts to be kind of a big important uh, seat here in in terms of the whole the whole story. So, um, you track Hermes down, um, but then you also come across uh, one of his creations, which is a little bird girl. Okay, Rook's got a look. I just what 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 are you? What's on your mind here, Rook? They just got me with her. They got me with her. Okay. I was like, this is the cutest little bird girl I've ever seen in my whole life. I was the whole, I was like, <laughs> I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. I'm a bird too. You and me. Well, just, I'll love you forever. Anytime she was like, can we be friends? I was like, yes, you can be friends. <laughs> I'll be friends until I die. Until the day my soul enters the live stream and is reborn. And even then we'll still be friends. I was just so invested. I, this is a, this is a silly thing. Her name does have connections mm-hmm. to the zone and everything and the concept and ancient Greece and all, all these things. Right. I was half convinced though, that they were going to name her Ariel from um, the Tempest, like as a reference to Ah. the Tempest, because Mm. there is like a winged spirit that um, accompanies the lonely sorcerer uh, for anybody who doesn't know this Shakespeare play uh, uh, Prospero. And we get like Tempest references from Emmett Selk. So I thought for sure she was going to be named Ariel in this zone. It's such like a silly little, little note. And obviously she ends up playing a much bigger role, but I love her Mm -hmm. design. I just think she is so, she gets you. She gets you with the cute little speech pattern and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw this, I saw this little bird girl and I went, Oh no, this is going to be the character that, is the cutesy wootsy and I hate that character. I mm-hmm. always hate the cutesy wootsy because it's yeah. done so terribly so often. But, 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 I actually did like Medion. I didn't think they went too far with the cutesy wootsy on her. So, whew, good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got I got nervous at first, but not like 
I'd love to say I was nervous because I was like, oh, is this going to be what goes wrong? Is mm-hmm. this the sound? I was just nervous because she like lacks boundaries. Like you yeah. talk to her for 30 seconds and she's like, hi, I see we have one thing in common. Share all your thoughts and feelings with me. And I'm like, um, I don't want to be your star twin from Escape to Witch Mountain yet. Uh, we just met. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, wow. okay, okay, like. This is this is right, and and again, we'll we'll try not to interject too many personal thoughts. I know we've we've had a couple mm-hmm. comments about these through the lore cast, but remember too, our review was was spoiler free, so this is our our yeah. our time to kind of talk about this a little bit. Uh, was it crazy about the the bird girl aesthetic? I think in part because of like what Zen said, right? You had that that kind of cutesy woodsy mm-hmm. like little. You're like, oh, okay, this is going to be like the most annoying character we've ever seen. Great, can't can't wait for her to say something and be like, hi. My name's me. Like, it's just, it's awful. Always <laughs> awful in these RPGs, right? Um, but it, it, it started off interesting. Uh, starts off interesting, ends horribly. But we'll get into that as we go. Um, yeah. There so, was one detail about her that I, I wanted to mention. Because I think from, like, a storytelling mm-hmm. perspective and using her as, like, a vehicle to obviously carry what she will eventually carry. One thing that I did really love was actually her speech pattern and the way that she's written. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea that like speech as a vehicle for communication, right? The idea of like, how do we communicate to one another? How do we convey what we feel? How do we? So it was funny because like, in a sense, uh, you know, Moose hearing you say that you hated that she like invaded your mind so quickly or that at least, you know, if it made you feel uncomfortable. Um, I was almost the opposite because I had this moment where I was like, Emotion is something that's pure and that, you know, is is sometimes without the boundaries or is hard to communicate with words and to have like a being that feels and would connect primarily first and foremost through shared emotion versus like speech, which is how many of us have to just connect. Well, to and, one, I, and to I think too, we can't feel what others feel. That's something we should so we should that. mention is that she doesn't the, the way that she communicates with you, like via that, like kind of like telepathic thing. It's Mm -hmm. not straight up just like I'm talking in your brain. It's you're perceiving like her emotions and she can perceive your emotions and you just understand like what that means and what that's communicating, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Isn't Um, that sort of how the dragons communicate too? Kind of sort of. I thought the dragons dragons just are super old and so they have very few words because they don't want to waste their time on. Yes. long sentences i thought okay. that was the the thing Linguist- with dragons like linguistically at least from what i know with dragons um their actual speech yes like over time it has become almost the kind of thing where like when you know somebody really well right you can almost tell what the other person is thinking without even you know like what they're gonna say you can finish each other's sentences that whole like running gag where like when you get to know somebody really well or you've been around for so long with somebody like the the way that you speak to one another you oftentimes almost learn to predict so like with dragons having lived for so long there's almost like a sense that they can predict even the patterns of speech and so they continue to shorten down or like make things very like you know um abbreviated in a sense uh when they're speaking to one another but there is an interesting communication amongst dragons that does seem more emotional as far as the songs go or um the choruses or the you know idea of the horde and how nidhogg was able to i mean essentially convert the emotional state of all the other dragons and yet they're very ethereally dense so you'd think that i don't know there's a lot there with the dragons that i think is really interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah i'm not sure it can't like 
there, okay. there are a lot of there are a lot of things that can be explained by in-world plot stuff, but it's us kind of weaving them together because some of it's just kind of what the plot needs that day, and they made sure that they didn't do anything woefully inconsistent. So, like, we can come up with a lot of good answers for how stuff like that works, especially when we think back to, you know, scenes where the dragons are talking to kind of multiple people at the same time. Some have the echo, some don't. They switch between, you know the draconic language dragon speak and their common hero of the tongue, but they're kind of projecting it into your mind a little bit. Like we can put all those pieces yeah. together and make excuses for all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little, little tangent there. I just kind of went, wait a minute. Wasn't there another person who did that? No, I mean, I'm genuinely interested if they are at some point in the future, especially if we go to someplace like Maricidia, going to start actively tying in forces like Dynamis into, you know what I mean? Because it's something mm -hmm. where, like, they could just leave it at this expansion, but I have this feeling they won't. And, and that this idea of Dynamis and how it's used or how we may even use it in the future uh, in a role or in the rising of a civilization that's different from what the ancients had, that's not purely ethereally based as research continues on this. Like, there's some interesting stuff there that I think they could tie in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's around this this part of the story, too, where we get introduced to the idea of, of Dynamis as well as being this kind of uh, emotional power. How would, I don't know, how would you describe Dynamis? It's, I mean, that's it's, it's like sort of a, the cut and dry of it, right? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's an energy it, that pervades all that you can tap into, it seems. Because they also mention, uh, you know, like, they make an allusion to dark energy almost. They say that they've detected it and they don't understand what the hell it is. And it's 68 whatever percent, just like scientists in the real world think that dark energy is that much percent of the entire universe. So I thought that was a nice little tie-in. If you like, if you string search, if you have like all of the mentions of everything in a game and you do like a little string search for just like Dynamis and mm -hmm. like all the words associated with it, there's only a few mentions. So you just kind of take what they yeah. say and, and run with it. Yeah, it's this mysterious matter. It's people associate yeah. it with ether because they have effects on each other, but they're actually different phenomena. Um, that it's there's a certain tension between them, like Aether negates Dynamis. So, yeah. It's very weird to think about, but at the same time, a lot simpler to think about. And we'll like, we'll definitely if, talk about that when we get to the Sundering, for sure. If there's mm. if there's a lot of it, emotion can affect it. But if there's you know a lot of it and there's ether, it can be negated. You can't notice it's there. But like it's it's just it's part of why Medion is so like they say that she's so ethereally thin that she's barely there. And part mm -hmm. of the reason is that if she wasn't, then she couldn't interact with the Dynamis. Right. Yeah. I think of it kind of like, so like when I was doing lore dives in the videos about the zones, right? Like a lot of times there was this representation that has been seen in real worlds and real cultures of this separation of two ideas. Um, like you see there's in the alchemy and all this kind of stuff I've talked before about like the, the white queen, the red king. Um, there's also a really fantastic uh, nod in some of like the temple complex to some um, thoughts that come actually from like uh, various spiritual traditions mm -hmm. in India, where again, you have these like kind of two forces where like one is oftentimes affiliated with dark, one with light, but one is more about like the actual 
like soul, universe soul, world soul, spiritual soul. And the other one is something that affects like direct change in the world, like an active force and more of a material force, those sorts of mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. So like we see them draw this inspiration throughout the whole expansion and through, uh, you know, other areas as well. But the idea that like ether in a sense, I guess, although it does have this spiritual component or magical component, mm-hmm. if we think about it, oftentimes does seem to like reflect various parts of the like more physical world or even like the individual soul um and then this like current that runs through everything that kind of gives individual sentience right whereas dynamis seems to be almost more of the like larger abstract universal kind of thing where there's like this shared emotional platform that's like more vague and and connects um on like a much smaller scale i guess i envisioned it kind of like you know, when you're in a room with people or you're on like voice chat with everybody and one person is having a really bad day and their <laughs> energy just like comes through that microphone. Like the vibe <laughs> is so bad. It's bad right. vibe. Yeah. And like everyone just slowly goes kind of quiet and is like, hmm, this is so awkward now <laughs> and uncomfortable. Like, or if you somebody's laughing so hard that you yourself can't help but laugh, that there is almost a medium on which our emotions vibrate, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. that like the way that that can be contagious to us in a sense, or if something is such a powerful feeling that it can affect others. To me, that's kind of how I envision it in a much smaller kind of thing. But like, and there's so much interesting mythology and world lore that I think has tried to also delineate in real life. Mm-hmm. Like I would check that out and research it if you haven't, because there's a lot of stuff that I think kind of contributes to this. And even in Buddhism, which is like a, a big yeah. part of the themes of suffering and stuff like that. Like um, there's just a lot of very interesting nods. So I think you can look at it a lot of ways, but that's kind of how see, I looked at see, it. My, my, the way that I looked at, at Dynamis was just like, I remember running Dynamis in 11. Because <laughs> Dynamis was, was the name the word. for... Yeah. Yeah. When they said the word, I was like, oh! I, was actually, I was actually in a voice channel and I yelled, like yelp, like I'd been struck in the face or something. People are like, what? They said the word, I can't tell you, but they said the word. And oh. <laughs> I have memories about Dynamis. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Timed nukes. That was the thing back in the day. Timed nukes. <laughs> um. All right. I lost my place. I'm I'm honestly so glad that it's not the same thing so that I can form new wonderful memories about well, <laughs> mm-hmm. While you're finding your place, I'll just highlight um the role of kind of the entelechy is the space yes. kind of between those two concepts. And I think that's what's kind of the more important thing compared to what Dynamis is, because we know it's a mysterious energy, but like the thing we're dealing with in the game is that something that is able to reach that energy, to interact with that energy, whether it's the Elpis flower or Medion, is able to use it to convert emotions into tangible phenomena. So uh, if Aether negates Dynamis, therefore you can't just have powerful emotions and spawn things into being, which is kind of like the clincher of the story, which mm. is why, why the threat has to come from so far away and why we'll probably never have to deal with it in that exact way on the source again. So it gives us this huge, massive threat that also we probably won't ever have to deal with again under very certain specific circumstances. So as long as mm-hmm. we don't run into anything that has the power to interact with dynamis to convert emotion into actual things, we'll be good. Hopefully. I love that. I loved that. Like I hadn't 
completely solidified in my mind exactly that role that she plays other than like being able to you know manipulate mm -hmm. it but you're right she does function as that intermediary between mm -hmm. it's also interesting to think about the source has been rejoined a few times as we know but the shards haven't so dynamis is effectively more effective on the the shards than on the source theoretically as well when you think about it that way yeah because everyone's thinner so let's. Yeah. I was we did say, have it yeah. confirmed. We had yeah. it confirmed recently in that Q and A that when they were talking about Vinat and her choice to mm -hmm. separate the world, right? Um, that she purposefully seemed to do it with the hopes that people mm -hmm. within her ether could manipulate Dynamis. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. Yeah. it is one of those things where, gosh, that scares yeah. me a little bit because right. now I'm like, yes, Moose. There's no threat. Are we the threat? <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh no! Uh -huh. As you were talking about it, I was running the exact opposite way with it because they've like they spent mm -hmm. a lot of they spent a lot of time this expansion showing us that there was like for all the huge differences we made between us and the ancients, and we'll see this yeah. immediately in Elpis. We ain't all that different. Um, as we're wandering around Elpis, we're seeing people with the same like petty conflicts and grievances and awkward love lives and bitterness and like we're seeing people there's just freaking people mm -hmm. and we're seeing that like the amount of ethereal density you have is simultaneously this really big important thing and completely irrelevant mm -hmm. so like they've had to do the same thing with the people of the source and the other shards because we're supposed to have this like sundered humanity united thing but also it's like we're not talking about that we're seven times rejoined yeah. we're halfway back to what we were but also the narrative of the story has to be that that's still worth something that we don't need to be ancients to fix the problem like i think if we needed to become a zem again in order to fix this it would undermine the whole yes. narrative of the story so now I'm I'm sitting here thinking about while well, you're talking about well they're thinner so they can interact with Dynamis more I'm sitting here like oh that's why they're as powerful as us because their hope counts for more mm -hmm. like there we go we're all yeah. evened out we're all equal <laughs> yeah, again yeah. exactly yeah right it's yeah. it's yeah. like a mixture um, that's cute their hope counts for more <laughs> it does I mean yeah it's a strength that's unique right like and when you look at the world as a whole the idea of ethereal manipulation even when you look at the Garleans right. Their mm -hmm. whole empire and this, you know, warfare, this retaliation came from this discrepancy between having magic and not having magic in a world in which at least ethereal manipulation, as we think of it as magic, was really the like end all be all standard of the greatest power you could wield. Right. So to have this thing where, yes, the ancients in and of themselves, because of that, it's like, of course, they'd be way better. We should all just be ancients like you could just make a shark like that's awesome <laughs> and that idea is just you know everybody gets so excited by it i myself do and yet this idea that like thematically and as a greater metaphor as well i love this because like the idea that our emotions the idea that like there are many strengths to be found and emotional strength is one of them mm -hmm. i think is like a greater metaphor and especially with the themes of, like struggling against depression or um you know uh, hold on What's the word I'm looking for? Antipathy? Antipathy. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, or like these other kinds of things, like 
in a world, especially right now, that's so dark. I think it's a beautiful metaphor, but I also just like the idea that like, hey, there may have been, yes, this entire other magical thing out there that the ancients were like, whatever, that's just a dumb thing. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's like a stupid thing. Why would anybody research that? We've yeah. got ether. I like that there is a new way forward that might be a wholly unique strength to the people of this world and mm -hmm. not just like a diminished shadow of the past, you know, <laughs> it's, it's that idea that like, you know, coming out of, out of Shadow Bringers, there's for, for a minute until the final days thing happens, we're like, man, these people like had it all. They had like these great cities, they had creation magic, but like at the end of the day, it's that it's kind of like a, like a variant of like money can't buy happiness. Right. It's like, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. You can have creation magic. You can have like this great utopia and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, are you really living? Like, you know, you need to, feel sad sometimes you need to mm -hmm. feel joy sometimes um, otherwise known as the entire end of dead ends <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Right>? yes <laughs> the third yeah. leg of that that dungeon yeah yep. um so uh let's move on uh you end up mm -hmm. uh running into somebody that we've seen before oh. mm -hmm. brain explosion <laughs> My wife slash girlfriend. I had so many partners that just were giving to me in Elpis. Her her I, entire Twinder Tinder like what was it swipe swipe right list is just Elpis. Yeah. It's like it's everybody I chose right here. That's it. This zone was a personal love letter for me. Not to say that anybody else couldn't have enjoyed it and had the exact same experience, which is what makes Endwalker great. But I was like, what would I love? Emmett Selk. I would love Hythlodius. Oh my gosh, Vinat, please. I want her to be here. And then they all were here, and I was like, I will never leave. And I just wrapped mm -hmm. my arms around. Them you just you all you all go that. into that that one house and you just like lock the door. And like swallow the key, you're like, we are stuck here now. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, so bad that the future is gonna end. Doesn't matter. My present's too good. I'm gonna stay right here. <laughs> oh, I love, I love like the the canon for Rook's like Warrior of Light. A little bit is like, okay, yeah, and don't touch anything. And then you just you just come back. You're like, I touched everything, and I have never been so happy. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Litibus is that just was like my oh. personal journey. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know that's not particularly lore relevant, but it is very important to the power of my dynamics. Mm -hmm. Look, head head cannon is a very real just, thing. She just drops it too. Vina just drops it like, oh yeah, I was I was a, a Zen once, and my brain exploded. I was like, she just mm. said that like it doesn't well, freaking yeah, matter. She says that just casually, and then she looks at you and go, yeah. By any chance, are you from the future? And Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth is just back in the tower, like, oh goddamn it. Like, <laughs> My brain just exploded. It just she just like didn't even care. She just drops it. And, and, it, and then I, and then, I, then it I goes go back and read it twice. Like, does she just really say that? Like, yeah. she doesn't give a fuck. She's Come like, on, I can what? detect I can detect my magic on you and I've never seen you before. Therefore, mm -hmm. you're from the future. Let's go into this house and you can tell yeah. us all about it. And you're like, as I said, like, yeah, all right. So smart. <laughs> She's so smart. So just immediately yeah. upon upon meeting her, the game is like, by the way, this is probably the smartest person you'll ever meet. Mm hmm. Poor Sid's over there. I had a siren like, oh. going by. I had mm -hmm. a siren going by, so I couldn't yell, but here we go. Yes, it's because then she is so beautiful, so powerful, <laughs> so amazing, so incredible, so wonderful, so strong. She's amazing. <laughs> She's everything. Zanat is everything. <laughs> it, it is a good way to show that she is incredibly worldly, right? She's, yeah. she's been there for who knows how long after she should have retired. Like, we don't know what part of her life this is other than it's really late on. And who knows how much time passed before the end of the day. This is, this well. is how she spends her retirement, is what this right. is. 
she goes gathering more knowledge, experiencing more things. Like, it makes perfect sense that she's like, no, there's something up with this. I've seen a lot. I've seen basically all there is to see, which is why I'm here in Elpis seeing new things. Cyan in, in chat is saying it wasn't um, Vinod who said it. I don't oh, know. Oh, it was Emmett Selk that says yeah. she was, yeah, for I don't know why I'm remembering it That's, was her, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe we, it was we in the same we, scene. Either way, I we find it out. It is that same scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that's, this is also where we get that juicy shark information. Yes. <laughs> Either way, mine exploded. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will have more I will have more to say about Vinat shortly. But like, <laughs> yeah, I and I also, I just love, like, to be honest, I just love, um, because, okay, I feel like it could have been very easy in this regard to be like, oh, Vinat was just a beautiful woman this is gonna this will be a little bit of a you know what i mean like a little bit of a tangent there's this ideal almost that like sometimes i feel like with these iconic characters or people um and this zone was so great for this especially when it comes to a lot of times like a goddess-like figure or something right to just generalize them in this sense of like you know i don't know they were good and pure and wonderful you know and she is don't get me wrong i've stated that but you're overrated again like i do think you get such a great sense of her character here and also why she would be the person to make this choice or have Mm -hmm. the knowledge to do it or to create this entity right she was a genius of her time she was prolific she wasn't just somebody who wandered around you know like hanging out with people she was one of the great thinkers she contributed to advancements in all kinds of fields we get this information as we continue through the zone that she herself was so in love with the world that she would come to destroy to save some piece of it and to give it a future Um, whether or not that decision is wholly right or wrong or as many things in these expansions gray in a way that's very true to human experience right um and so i love all these details about her because i think it really does take her to another level as a character including the silly little stuff like she loved animals and she has this dog that she made that's the most beautiful (laughs) dog ever like those are things that feel so humanizing about her and that Mm -hmm. i really appreciated getting from her in this zone yeah it's it's go ahead Good. Okay. Um, my my reaction to this, I think the thing that I latched onto was that we have been built up for so long to see them as these bitter enemies who went to a civil war and tried to tear each other down. And like, that's the impression I think that we were like ready to go see. And mm-hmm. I was shocked by us getting there and realizing again, they're just people. And not only are they just people before this all happened, they were like friends. So yeah. it was surprising for me to sh- like show up and just walk in on a regular average day and you're walking across Elpis and here comes, you know, Heidelin, Vana, and she just walks in like, hey, Hithlodius, looking good. How are you doing? Great, Vana. I hope you're having a lovely day. I am. And Hades, you're here too. You look like shit. How's my replacement? Worse than you somehow, my best friend. Like, it's just so weird. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. Absolutely. 100% accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love how it's just like kind of sprinkled out throughout this part. Every so often, Emma Selk's just like, these asms just keep messing with me, man. Yeah. Like, there's always something with the. <laughs> I love it. It's part of like the requirement when applying to be asm or being chosen to be asm. It's like, yeah. see this guy over here? See how grumpy he is? Can you keep him like that sort of level of grumpy, but with like love? Maintain the grumpiness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, you you essentially you all get together. You sit down. They talk to Hermes about 
uh, you know, taking over for Fan Daniel because the current Fan Daniel has basically he's like he's good, he's done, and he's basically mm-hmm. gonna return to the star, which means he's like I'm gonna retire, but also like just die. And Hermes takes mm-hmm. issue with that because he kind of sees more value in living and stuff. Um, and then they kind of turn to you and they say, so what's your deal, Asim's familiar? And you go, well, let me tell you some stuff. And then Emmett Selk makes an underwater city and all this stuff. And it, it comes back, you know, it, it fades to black. And then it comes back and Emmett Selk's like, I would never do that. What the hell are you talking about? Like, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> And then, I like, Vinat and Hithalodius are like, I mean, I don't mm. not believe him. <laughs> I couldn't believe this scene. This scene is mm-hmm. the scene that, honestly, for a second, for a second, I wasn't fully bought in, but I had a moment where I went, oh, my gosh, we are going to change the future. Mm-hmm. And it was yes. like... Mm-hmm. Because although from every single, every single narrative structure, every single, I was like, I know this can't be a thing. That would be a ridiculous thing for them to do. That would be something that I, I can't even conceive of like, no other game story would try to do this. But there was this moment where you sit there and you tell them everything. And in my brain, I was like, but how then would our timeline happen Mm -hmm. and then on the other side i went they're gonna change it i can have them as boyfriends and girlfriends and they friends in real life (laughs) there'll be one day i can love them in real life and then of course things happen but there was this one moment where i was like i can't reconcile how this will play out with us being this upfront and Mm -hmm. like all the information that you get from these scenes, even just about like the convocation and the seats and Fan Daniel. And again, yes, this like lifespan thing, which is a whole other huge lore thing that's put into this, where it just like they choose when they want to die and return. All this stuff that was like this huge storm. And then we get to this scene where you're literally just sitting there like, well, here's the future. And I was like, how does how do you make this all work? How does this all come together? You know, There was a part of me that like when the scene happened, I'm like, well, they're not going to change anything, but also like, why are we telling them all of these things? Like, right. not, this is going to like mess stuff up. Like, you don't that this is like time travel rule breaking. Number one, like you don't, you don't go back in time and, and just tell them all I, of this stuff. I was comforted. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. like, Shadowbringers really like destabilized my understanding of how time travel works here because we had already set some very clear, very sensible rules in Alexander where everything from mm-hmm. 10,000 years before Alexander to the quests after Alexander had always been that way as far as the timeline as it exists now is concerned. They played this whole thing like all time is happening at once. Time's an illusion. Um, if you change one thing, you change it everywhere all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's one 4D block and that it, it is what it is. What happened, happened. And so while we were sitting there and, and they were going through this, and we were told explicitly, like, okay, nothing will change because they can't see you. And now yeah. they can see you. And you're like, okay, well, I can't change too much. And then he sits down and he's just like, yeah, so here's all of history. Here's your, here's your all. And then, and 1.0 didn't do so great. So then they rebranded to 2.0. <laughs> and, oh <my> God. <laughs> and I'm like, 
yes, Alexander rules are back because there's nothing that can happen except (laughs) what, you know, all the other expansions still have to be canon. Mm -hmm. So what happened happened. How did this happen? How doesn't this change the future? Because it always happened. Yes. And I'm like, I was so comforted by it. And in a way, (laughs) oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I was with you there. I was just excited to see how it didn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. would it not matter? That was what I was excited about for excited for, too. And Mm -hmm. I feel like for this section, this is where uh, Rook and I end up on the same page, because at first we were having totally different experiences. Like I got I got to Elpis and I was like, oh, my God, more time travel for the sake of fan service. We're doing it for fan service. So like it wasn't like a love letter to me. It was me recognizing that it was a love letter to other people and accepting that. Like Rick's just over there like fan service. This was my fan <laughs> service. Yes, and I embraced it. <laughs> exactly that gesture. Nobody listening to this in audio format is going to see what Moose just did, but that was it. That was it. And so like I felt like it was one of those times where it's like I hate it, but I'm glad it happened. Like it's it's mm-hmm. so good for the game. It's so good for the brand. There are so many people who are going to be happy by this. And I have to just expect that or I have to accept that it's not for me. And so yeah. when we got to the scene that we're discussing now, this was like the moose tax. This was the apology. Mm-hmm. This was like the, 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 the thing that made it worth everything. Because after all that fan service, I mean, I've been defending Heidelin since 2.1 mm-hmm. against these huge swaths of the fan base that want this M. Night Shyamalan twist where it's like, good guy bad mm-hmm. and of course like why wouldn't you the ancients are cool the Asians are cool and everyone's mad that they can't be cool and powerful and immortal and beautiful because highland ruined everything and so like i've been defending her for all these years and all of a sudden we go to the past and there's a tea party at Heidelin's house where everyone sits down <laughs> with mom. And then Emmett Selk is there and he calls himself a megalomaniacal idiot with a bad plan. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like this was like the moose tax scene because like, we, I mean, validation and mm-hmm. Alexander time travel is back. I'll take it. It was worth every moment. <laughs> moose, I won't lie. I had several moments. I mean... I too, like, I did not want Heidelin to be evil, and like, especially, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it's, it's such a tired, that. like, trope, right? Yeah, it's like, like, okay. Want, if anything, I want more nuanced storytelling. I want more gray area. Like, people can have pitfalls, they can have faults, they can have flaws. We all do. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that, right? But I did have several moments as things were panning out where I was like, oh, Moose. Moose. <laughs> she <laughs> mom. Yes. Yeah. I was like very happy. I'll have very way happy. more comments on that later. Cause I, yeah. like my thoughts yeah. on that coalesced way later than this one. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was, that one, that one, that one like paid yeah. the tax. Right. But, but I do like, I think if there's one thing that beyond fan service Elpis did is that in many ways, because, and I totally admit, yes, I'm there. And I'm there for the the emotional payoff of this because I love them as characters. And I admit that for me, that is service to that. And I am good with it. But like something that this zone, I think, did do beyond even that is the fact that many of these characters who would end up being game-changing, world-changing, lore-changing, these huge facets of what I think has taken 14 from like, oh yeah, it's pretty standard fantasy thorough, you know, thoroughfare with some pretty good lore and like really rich world and some really great standout moments to something that in and of itself is like, this is a landmark in Final Fantasy. Like the storytelling and some of the developments and the ideas and the concepts. 
much of this has revolved around the revelation of the ancients and shadow bringers, right? Mm -hmm. Like the idea that this world and the way that we viewed it had these layers to it that added simultaneously so much depth and so many plot holes for them to mm -hmm. deal with all at once <laughs> in one fell swoop, which they've done a great job of dealing with. But to have, I think, this progression of... I, I mean, I hate to say the villains in the franchise, but I mean, especially Emmett mm -hmm. Selk and some of these other characters, as well as Heidelin and the others, to have this moment with them where we actually, in a moment of time, get to see who they were and then to know who they are is, I think, so invaluable. I mean, that moment, that comment you pointed out about Emmett Selk himself saying, like, mm -hmm. I would never do that. That guy's a, like a megalomaniac. Yeah. Like, what in the world? And I love it because I think there's real commentary to be said there as well as with Hermes and everything else mm -hmm. that goes on about mm -hmm. the ways that mm -hmm. sometimes the people we were and our best intentions or like the things that were, I guess, more pure about ourselves in a sense, like, you know, before many things, troubles, struggles, um, suffering befalls us. We don't even realize in our own lifetime sometimes how warped we can become and like the actions that we might make ourselves thinking that we are the protagonist, right? In many mm -hmm. ways, or the hero of the hour, realizing that sometimes we all have to do a step back and look at the journey we've taken and look at who we are and the role we're playing. Um, even more beautifully illustrated through Emmett Selk and all of his theatrical references. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but I think it's something that did give us a really invaluable look at them as people. Like you were saying, it humanized that element when we didn't have a lot of time with them, all things considered. So. Right. Yeah. That, that so, was something um, I was, I wanted really, to, really, really, yeah. let me, let me, let me, yep. okay. So yep, yep. Um, the, the thing that I wanted to bring up next, you, you basically just pulled strings of it directly out of my brain just now, Rook. Um, as I was watching the scene where um, specifically uh, it comes back from the fade to black and you see all of their faces at the table, like obviously like considering everything that you've just told them. Um, we've mentioned a thousand times before the animations have gotten better and even just like the little sort of expressions they had on your on their faces. It it made me cry because they you could tell they were really thinking about everything they'd been told. And especially in the case of Emmett Selk, who's like, what the crap? I would I would never do that. But he at this time has not, like you said, experienced all that suffering. Mm -hmm. And it it just added on top of it for me because that suffering is in the end what part of what made us, all of the people who have been sundered, what we're able to fix things in the end, what we're able to really live life and appreciate life in a way that the agents couldn't. So it it struck me that even though he was still whole, having had to have that experience that everyone else did sort of, even though he was trying to undo it, he was learning to be a person. And there are even points in his story where he said, I tried to live like you guys. I tried to give it up and just experience life. And he couldn't. It yeah. was more sad upon more sad. But I just realizing that all at the same time just i was like oh, oh my gosh this is so much this is so much and it just started by seeing their faces yeah um one of the one of the things i was going to say and we talked when when brooke mentioned um not really spending a lot of time with the characters in, in elpis right you know considering like the, the story as a whole right um it's it's interesting because obviously with with shadowbringers we spent a lot of time with with emmet selk and then we had you know the the amarat reveal and for me i i think for me that's still the height of of 
414 storytelling for me is 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 that last part of Shadowbringers. Um, and so there's a part of my mind that definitely like when we get to Elpis, it's just like this is just fan service and we're going to weave it into the lore and we're just going to develop the characters a little bit just in time to like take them away. Um, at least like with with Heidelin, though, it's it's weird because it's we we finally see like her or or like the not right in mm-hmm. in the beginning of Endwalker. So it's, you know, it's, she's not just contained to Elvis, but I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I really did like her as a character and I wish we had a little more time with her, but technically we've also had like Hi. 10 years with her. So it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, but yeah, I think for, for me, a lot of this, this zone felt very fan service. Not, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I, you know, it's one of those things like I, I want to be like a fly on the wall in like the, the writing room, right. To see like how things evolved during development. Cause obviously like as the patches for 5.0 X were coming out, they got feedback and they could take that feedback and use it to affect the story that they were working on for 6.0. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how um, players, you know, reacting to Emmett Selk, reacting to Hithlodius, reacting to that, that 5.3 patch with, with a little I'm curious mm-hmm. how much of an impact that had on how much time they focused on certain things in this expansion. Well, I will yeah. say, oh, go ahead, Aldino. Go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say, I think that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of the talk about, you know, like fan service and changing or, or influencing what they may have wanted to do, and I think that, yeah, they should have been doing that. To me, an MMO or a live service game is a conversation with your players. Not you're not just dictating. Okay, here's the stuff you get. You have to adjust. If you don't adjust, you are destroyed. So it's a conversation, and they were listening, and I think that the reaction that we're seeing in in Rook and in a lot of other people is just, yeah, they actually heard the right thing. So I I, I know nobody's like, oh, it's fan service, garbage. Like, I wish they wouldn't have done that. But, like, yeah, it it has to happen. It better happen. Or you're making the wrong game for the wrong people. I totally agree. I think that's a huge element. And I also want to make an argument for Elpis. I think it does a lot of things at once, fan service and fan demand being one of them. But I also want to make an argument for it that's larger than that, because there is a true sense that we see even in present day, more important than ever now, that people tend to idealize the past, Mm. that there is this Mm -hmm. sense that like, you know, um, got make America great again, right? Like there is this sense that like the past itself holds something that we've lost in our own debauchery Mm -hmm. or terribleness or, you know, whatever it is, right? And that there are periods of time that people continuously misinterpret over and over and over and used to put down, to judge, to hold up a standard that in and of itself is not even factual truth, right? We saw this even in the, um, oh my gosh, the quests that drove you nuts fusion with the, uh, you know what I'm talking about in the first, the craft and gathering quest where they're talking about the the past and how it's misinterpreted. Oh. The little, uh. the little rat boys. The choice the Kieran, that you can make. The, oh, the yeah. canonical. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I have that, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that there is a misinterpretation. We even see it with Emmett Selk, yeah. who himself misinterprets the memories of his past and cannot let go of them to make way for the future. We see it with Medion, who gets stuck in a moment believing that all suffering is all existence. Like, 
there are these great themes of, I think, like understanding the state and the truth of things, right? I like even this past month has been Black History Month. I found an amazing book by this incredible author that's about like Black history in the Tudor period. I have learned so much. I have been reading about all sorts of different things, right? It's like, to me, Elpis is that. It is the crux of this idea that like, there are those who might believe that our world is better for an era that we may not even know the truth of. And we can never have the luxury of experiencing it ourselves. We can never see the truth of it. We can never understand it. All we can do is hypothesize. And many times, even the best scientific guesses are wrong in some way, right? So it's one of those things where, to me, this felt like it is part of a bigger thing. It's beyond fan service, because in many ways, it is an important part of the world and the message to say, like, we cannot idealize what no longer is. We have to look forward together. We have to understand that imperfection is in all of us. We have to understand that our struggle and our strife is just as valuable as our joy and our happiness and what we consider to be idealized. And the society of the ancients is based off of the entire concept of Thomas More's utopia, which is both a satire and possibly mm -hmm. a realization of a pure true world and in and of itself that's a huge statement right like it's amazing and that's where hermes comes from and that's where these emotional things come from the idea that their society was flawed so sorry this is my ted talk um but <laughs> i want to make a larger just i guess statement about elpis because i do think that just to sweep it under the rug is fan service is a disservice to the actual themes and message that i think it can communicate in this zone so that's it. Thank I'm, you, everybody. I'm actually sitting here going, oh, I guess it was fan service. I didn't view Elpis as fan service at all. <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was so it was it was good narratively. Don't get don't get me wrong, but it definitely was like, hey, remember all those characters you liked? Here they are. Like it's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that it was necessarily bad. Medion was bad. Medion was horrible. But that's that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that we found someone that is even more like prone to mercurial philosophizing than I am. This is, I, this is amazing. Thank you, Rick. No, um, was, I love talking with you. You would, you get me going. <laughs> my, this is like where I was like, um, fan service jokes aside, I mm -hmm. believe that when a game has millions and millions of players, you have two options. You can appeal to the lowest common denominator and just appeal to emotion, exciting, no stands, no complexity, you know, like not to take a pot shot fusion. Don't hate me, but mm -hmm. not to like you have two options. If you want to appeal to everyone, you could go like full Marvel Cinematic Universe, which <laughs> doesn't always have the deepest philosophical themes. Some great, some great social commentary. Uh, I've made him mad. So you could you got you could either appeal to the lowest <laughs> common denominator or you sh can strategically disappoint small groups yeah. of people in a nice rotation. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally I've agree with that. Accept, I've come to accept that there are parts of Final Fantasy that are strategically disappointing me for the for the betterment of the product, for the for the all the millions of people who are going to love it. And yeah. that's good. And there are times that I won't be disappointed and everyone else will. And that's okay too. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, right? Like there's, there's so many players, which means you're going to have such a variety of, of backgrounds and, and mm -hmm. with the way that people think and not everything is going to land with everybody. Like 
I'm sure like Ishikawa writing this stuff is like, and then we're going to go to Elpis and Hithlodius is going to be there and Emmett Slug's going to be there and Vada's going to be there. And she, she, I, you know, she probably has a similar mindset to Rook where she's like, it's going to be great. We're going to go to Elpis. There's going to be an, uh, an ancient sandwich. I'm the meat. I'm just in the middle. It's going to be great. We're all just going to get together, have a tea party. Ancient and- sandwich. Mm-hmm. That ancient is sandwich. how I described it. Yes. Yeah. While I was live. Thank you, Fusion. Did you really? I, I, straight, I straight up said, I'm going to get in there like a sandwich. And for the rest <laughs> of the zone, I was like, don't take my sandwich from me. <laughs> But there's but there's three of them. So who's the bread and who's like the the? Have like, you seen that triple sandwich? Is it well? It would be lettuce because lettuce is lettuce is boring, like a tomato or something. <laughs> who's who's in there with you? Together, I'm so like sorry. I've, I have totally derailed us for the hundredth time. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, the hell was I even? <laughs> Fan service. That good, good fan service sandwich. Yeah, that but I have like, not left. yeah, yes. not, but yeah. I mean, everybody's gonna have different reactions to mm-hmm. to everything, right? Um, and that's fine. Like some people love Medion and the way that worked. I thought that the culmination of ten years to be like, oh yeah, it was just this little bird girl. I thought that was stupid as hell. But some people loved <laughs> it, so that's fine. It's it clearly I was mean, not for me. <laughs> it yeah. I mean, we're about to talk about that soon. So yeah, let's 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 move on a little bit to that. Um, so we we have we have this discussion. We basically tell them everything, which is okay. Sure, yeah, maybe things will change now. Everything's great, or we just like ruin time travel, and it's gonna be a horrible. You're looking at your photograph, like pictures of like Marty's dad are like disappearing. Like, oh no, what have I done? I loved it. We are in the Zim. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think. I can't think of any of. I'm sure there are. You just look across the table. Other... Is Emmett Selk grumpy? Yes, we've done our job. <laughs> I couldn't think of any other uh, media that involves time travel where the person who is specifically told, hey, don't do this, sits there and lays out everything. Sometimes something slips or, oh, you see your yourself over there and just, just don't pay attention. We just sat there and said everything, even yeah. when yeah. they told us not to. And I, was, I was just like, I love that this is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we do that. Um, and then we start to kind of get to the the point of why we're in Elpis, like what this is kind of culminating to. Um, we find out that um, Meteon, right, as one of Hermes' creations, like this was something he really wasn't like talking to people about. He's like, this is kind of like my little like pet project on the side. We're gonna sh- Dynamis and 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 Meteon. Uh, we find out that he basically made a bunch of Meteons and just like sent them out into space. Like, oh yeah. Um, and and the the whole purpose of this was was he had a question. That he wanted answered, and what 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 was the? I, I tried to look this up so I could get the wording right. It was like, what is the meaning of life, or why do you live? What was mm-hmm. the uh, the actual like phrase? I can get it for you. On I, I know yeah. that was like the the gist of it, but I, I I wanted to make sure that we had like what yeah. gives your life meaning. Something what gives like life that? meaning? Yeah, that sounds. But right. it came about because because um oh, oh what do we live for? Says Alex. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, th- yeah, that, what right? Give, like, yeah, what, what people live for, what gives lives meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, of course, like, we hear this, and Emmett Selk is like, that is the stupidest thing that you could have sent <laughs> an empath to go answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love, I love, uh-huh. I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend. I was planning on doing this later, kind of closer to the end. I was thinking mm-hmm. about doing it because I was just listening to Fusion talk about it, and I was like, I mean, I have a little bit of a reputation, but like, I'm actually, I think I'm just going to do it now. Um, it, 
it really doesn't matter what the sound is. Like we we know the sound mm. is the sound. So it does it didn't really matter what it was going to be. So to get to the 11th hour and have it just be this thing they just introduced five minutes ago and it's heavily tied into all these thematic things really conveniently and it's this weird bird girl like, welcome to Final Fantasy, bro. That's how it always works. Well, and, and, <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I, mean, I also... <laughs> go f- finish your thought. <laughs> and so when we get to this point and we find out that like... It's just this guy who has this big plan and he creates this new thing and asks some profound question. Everyone looks at him and goes, uh, did you consider your phrasing and what might happen if that glitched out? And he's like, oh, beans. Like, that is very <laughs> human. That is a very yeah. human way for the end of the world to come about. Sure. You may as well call him Sid, honestly. You know, like, yeah. it's it's just something that a Sid yeah. would do in a Final Fantasy. Yeah, I think... Always to say it's the antithesis to the answer we get, right? Mm-hmm. Answer together that life and meaning and all these things that get through the song, right? Together we can come as close as possible by by doing these things together versus the idea of doing things ourselves. And like, there's even great discussion to be said about Emmett Selk, Vinat, all the choices that they made, right? Mm-hmm. There are times where we as individuals have to act and we have to act alone. But this idea that somebody was out there suffering and that this boy, oh my gosh, I have so many things to say about Hermes and we can get more into it later. But that this guy was so wrapped up and so absorbed in himself and his own individual struggles and he refused to open up to others largely because of the pressure of his society and many other things, right? But he got so isolated that he was like, well, I'm just going to use all my knowledge to ask this super dumb thing. And like, when you think about all the times that like we ourselves get so absorbed in our own plight, our own problems, Mm -hmm. we cut ourselves off, we isolate ourselves, we don't look out for or reach out for help. We have this moment where like, we think the state we're in is just the end all be all and the dumb stuff you do when you're in that state like especially if you deal with anything in you know like a greater mental health capacity right mm-hmm. like it's like yeah sometimes you ask really stupid questions and then you use the answer to justify the stupid things you're doing to ruin yourself and that feels think- like this mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. it's a stupid question i don't think it's a stupid question it's not. I, it's I, a desperate I, question. Desperate I really don't question, think it's yes. a stupid question. He's he's in this in the society where he doesn't feel like he's part of it, um, partially because of all of the ideals he, that he feels like um, an outcast. Yeah. The rest, mm-hmm. yeah, most of the rest of society seems to share, and he's taking the time to stop and question and be like, "How can we kill these creatures we make? I I've seen them. Be yeah, sad. that 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 scene specifically. Death. We haven't talked about that one yeah. yet. Where where they're basically okay, so. Uh, somebody made this one thing. It's it's a little crazy. We need to basically put it down. And he's like, who, you know, this idea of like, who are we to judge? Like, who, yeah. what is and isn't acceptable to yes. live? And, I should that. Say and that, that spirals. Yeah. I should say that the word stupid is mostly me comedically <laughs> exaggerating right. this situation. Like, he I want to be clear about it because he the meaning of life has been asked by civilizations, right. philosophers, poets, thinkers. 42. For, it's 42. You know? Yeah. I, I figured you were just building off of, of Emmett Selk basically saying, what you doing? That was dumb. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, yeah, but it's not just the meaning of life. He's also trying to answer, is there even any more life out there? That's a big part of this question. Mm-hmm. He's going outside of the world to see, are we alone? Like, part of this is, are we alone? Is our answer the one right answer? He's trying to figure out the Fermi paradox in a video game. He's trying to figure out 
why are there other peoples? There are other peoples. Why are you there? What are you doing? What can we learn from you? To me, that's the, it's one of the most, the, the biggest scientific questions of any civilization that could ever exist. Are we alone? And if we're not, how that, okay, so how do you do this? Yeah. And, it's, and hand it's such in, yeah. an important question. Hand in hand with that, he's asking, are we alone? But he's also asking, is he alone? Because mm -hmm. he does feel separate from his society. Right. But if there are other people out there who feel like he does, he's not alone. And even even so far as uh, we have that one conversation with, with Medion, where she sees that the Elpis flowers react to us the same way they do to Hermes. And she's like, can you please tell him so that he doesn't feel alone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I got very nervous for a minute and then very relieved at the end for how they handled Hermes. Because mm. when he first started explaining kind of how alone he felt and how angry he was about it, that he was the only one who cared about death and that no one else is, is giving creatures the kind of the attention that they deserve. I got very nervous. This, this was just about like I came... 10 years deep into this story for it to be sad boy gets angry hours mm -hmm. and it's like again come on and so i got i started getting very 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 nervous because i hadn't picked up on median as the sound yet i was too focused on making escape to which mountain jokes mm -hmm. um <laughs> and this this turned out to be more of um an exploration of what it's like to be the the only depressed person mm -hmm. in utopia from your perspective and depression warps things and that's the key like if you look if you do the side quests in real time like you're doing the side quests every time they pop up before you continue the msq one of the really interesting parts about elpis is that at the same time median is like i'm the only one who cares if these creatures die i'm alone no one knows how i feel our society's broken in the background some of his own researchers are trying to figure out how to have a funeral for the creatures that just died there he's not even alone it's yeah. not an uncommon so it's like it was just this really interesting exploration of depression and utopia for me yeah yes? I, if, oh my gosh yes moose i, I think it's definitely it's definitely i think a, a good job of kind of catering the story to the mental states of people in the world today in a way right i think it, it's something that is able to really resonate with people today um and i think maybe that's that's part of like I don't disagree that that's a great way to tell a story. Obviously, by doing it, it's going to resonate with more people. And I think for me, a lot of what happened in Elpis, it was a lot of that is based on the past, right? It's it's like how we talked about before, right? You know, everybody's always so nostalgic for, for things that had happened before. Everybody thinks that the past was perfect, all this stuff. And then we kill Zodiac at level 83, and and for me, I think that there, right? You have this for for me. I had such as this view going forward, like, oh yeah, Zodiac's the big bad, and then they're like, no, uh, now he's dead, and it was a little weird bird girl made by a depressed man that was like the the cult, like the villain of this story. And you can debate whether she was a villain or not, yeah, maybe, right? But it's just like for me, like uh, that's not where I hoped that the story went. And for me, that's why I I you know, hate on, on N Walker so much. Right. But again, like we said before, maybe it just wasn't for me and that's totally fine. So. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a much larger talk to have about Medion as well, which I'm sure we will continue to get mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Um, like, because I, 
I see both sides of this. On one hand, I totally agree. I totally agree, Moose, in the sense that like this is Final Fantasy. Like that's just how it be. Sometimes you just strap in. You might get an ending to the game, or you might just get a weird sequence of cutscenes that everybody will debate for five thousand years. Was it, it, it ends real? like Are every episode of Lost. It's like, great. I have <laughs> yes. one question and fifty new, or one one answer and fifty new questions. Thank you. <laughs> And honestly, I love that because I think that Final Fantasy as a franchise has always, always depicted both real tangible story and greater themes. And that's why this franchise has just like greater emotional abstract themes, right? Which is partially why I think this franchise has become so beloved to so many people because there are things that just resonate, right? That sometimes you can't even put your finger on exactly what happened, but you did feel what happened, you know? And that's kind of its own thing. It's that dynamis, man. It's just... It's that dynamis. It's that dynamis. Um, So all of that aside, I did want to touch because Moose, I really love the point you made about Hermes and I agree. I, I truly believe like in that zone and in the zone itself, we have this sense again that he is an individual who for many reasons, depression truly I think being one of them, um, does not feel like he has a place in his society to give voice to them. And because of that believes that again, he is on his own in a world in which um, everybody else just seems to get it. And that's a theme that for so many, I think especially gamers, especially during the pandemic, but far beyond just this time period, many of us feel, whether you were bullied growing up, whether you you know, have been kind of an, an outsider, whether you've struggled with mental health issues, which I myself do, and I know, you know many other people and many of, of us may even, like, um, it's one of those things where I think this message now more than ever was an important one to tell um, and whatever way they wanted to do that. Because yes, had he reached out to his own people, had he looked and you know for the people who understood him, had he tried to like open himself, even though society was a, a terrible overbearing pressure, would he have found an answer or some iteration of an answer there with the people that were around him? Like, I, yeah, I think so, you know? Um, and it's just like, it goes to show that I think society itself, and again, I think the zone is a great commentary on that because, um, when you think about individuals who have su- like suffered with this even historically in a time, a period, a place where they weren't free to voice their thoughts, their feelings, um, who they are, what they might you know, be in this world, um, we see a lot of people who, again, were isolated or suffered greatly because they didn't have a place to be mm-hmm. themselves because society itself set a kind of precedent for that. So again, I think Elpis serves the greater themes because the entire theme of everything that's happening in reality at that time is the acceptance of diversity of people, the reconciliation of of long-term strife, the acknowledgement of crimes and suffering and a history of blood in many of the nations. Um, What it, you know, like, it's just, I I think that Elpis does really fit into that in a way um, that tells a greater story. And I think, I think r- real quick, I want to jump ahead and just mention okay. this real quick because it, it's super relevant to what we're talking about. There's at the very end of Endwalker, there's this this exchange that you have with Medion, and you basically say like, yeah, like we had all all the stuff, the meaning of life, everything. We had it here the whole time. We made it together, and that's you know you just didn't see it, right? You know that that was the thing. You know you're talking about the all the different quests going on in Elpis. Everybody's you know Hermes wasn't alone. He just didn't really realize it, and that kind of comes back right at the very end of everything you say um it's very possible if he'd have reached out to the other ancients that maybe he would have found uh the answer right there but i think it's also possible that he wouldn't have um i think uh the the 
bit that sort of backs that up in my mind is that Vinod did eventually choose to sunder the world because the answers that people needed to keep living weren't there. Y'all like I I had an epiphany while Rook was talking and you're 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 picking it up vibes again. You're picking up the vibes again. Like Okay, so like I I'm calling it an epiphany and I might just be making shit up. Um especially since this has to do with foreshadowing. But Final Fantasy 14's fan base loves making shit up and calling it foreshadowing. So I'm going for that's, it. That's that's um, what we do. <laughs> so like yeah, Hermes's situation could be like seen as interpreted as a kind of pre-exploration, a pre-foreshadow of the fact that the people of paradise aren't willing to acknowledge and process suffering together. And that mm-hmm. validates Vinod's decision later. Yeah. That that's like, that's what the culture is, is that mm-hmm. it's difficult for them to do this. And it's always been difficult for them to do this. And therefore when it's required for salvation, they're doomed. I don't. Oh, okay. Yes. I think you can absolutely with what we have argue that I don't want to invalidate what either of you're saying. Cause I, I do actually think that is an absolutely valid way to interpret this. Right. To me though, the, the greater theme there would be that I don't believe that any society is incapable of change. If anything, right, and even with this Q&A that we recently got, um, you know, we we get this information that she may have even done this for a more fundamental reason just because of the ability to manipulate Dynamis and the threat that Medion posed, right? Um, and I do agree that the society as it was did not seem to necessarily have a place for people to, again, to grow in a sense, right? And we do know as well that Yoshida-san has said it's very likely that their society would have continued to go the same way as even that dungeon that we get uh, the dead end. And that it may have been something where, yes, they again met their own oblivion. And yet, um, I don't know if that condemns any society, right? Like, it's one of those things where if you go around that zone, just like you were talking about, and you're talking to people, and you ask them about their relationship with Hermes and what he's been working on, they all are very awkward about it. And they're like, well, he doesn't really talk to us much. And I don't really know what he does. I guess he did do an experiment, but like, he hasn't really spent much. I don't know. Like, and it's one of those things where like, Again, I think that whether or not he would have been received by the vast majority of people, I also cannot truly believe with the exact things that you were pointing out at the start of this zone, Moose, the humanity that we see on display of the people Mm -hmm. being people even across this time period, right? Um, That there wouldn't have been someone out there who understood or that they themselves were feeling that and they just didn't know how to voice it, right? Um, I mean, as somebody who's dealt with that in my own life, I also like to just believe that, I guess. You know what I mean? That like, again, these are people, they're people, and that when we think we are at our most isolated, oftentimes we just don't know where to look to reach Mm -hmm. out. Um, So like, to me, I don't think that the ancients couldn't have changed. Is it very likely that it was not probable? It wouldn't have happened if the final days hadn't occurred, that their demise would have been sooner rather than later? Like, no, I think all those things definitely could have happened and may have even happened. But I also like the idea, I guess, as a larger theme in the whole expansion, that we can all change. And like even Ishtola herself says towards the end, so what if the universe dies one day? I can't live my life thinking that way. You know, like I can't let that dictate right now. And in the same way, I don't think that you can say like an entire society, although they were deeply flawed and obviously, you know, and may have brought in their own demise sooner rather than later, that like that should dictate, 
I guess in some way, like, I don't, I, you know what I'm trying to say? You yes, know what I'm absolutely. Trying to say? <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree with you with that. Go ahead. I have a disclaimer, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, they, like, to judge an entire society based on, like, this little snapshot we get from its narrative isn't fair. But, like, especially for the people who liked the ancients and who liked that whole part of the story and really empathized with that society and believed in that society. I want to point out like disclaimer wise that I think there is a huge difference, a massive difference between considering what potentially could have happened under different circumstances and that under these specific circumstances, nothing else could have happened. Like, I think that that's a huge theme in Endwalker that if anything had happened differently in the initial conditions, it would have affected the outcome a lot. And under those different circumstances, anything could have happened. But that under the circumstances that we couldn't change, we couldn't avoid this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can say that any better. Um, I'm Basically, I, I feel the same way about society that you do. I, I feel that given enough time and enough empathy and enough reaching out, Definitely things could have gone way, 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 way better, but they didn't have time. And I guess that's what what makes this part of what I consider for the story here. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said, too, about like the responsibility is not all on the individual, right? Like mm. the society itself, yes, did not allow this to happen, did not actively work to make people feel that these emotions, these thoughts, these feelings, you know, it, again, like. it's both sides (laughs) it's both sides um change happens on an individual level but also on a large-scale movement and oftentimes those people that are brave enough to live in a way that is authentic to them in time periods in which their society may not make room for that right are oftentimes some of the greatest outliers or people who do suffer the most and um i mean there's there's a lot to talk about with it honestly but i think it is very interesting and a lot of the themes they tackled in this expansion it's like we can literally sit here and debate them for like five thousand <laughs> years and that is such a good conversation to have because it does reflect in our own world and our own struggles so yeah um so let's get back to the outline <laughs> um so after we have this talk um we learn about hermes um and all the different meteons that he sent out and we're trying to get a little bit more information about that. Uh, but in order to do that, we need to get over to this one little island in Elpis. Um, and if not, it's like, yo, I'll give you a ride on my doggo. Uh, oh, my doggo doesn't like you. Let's fight. And so you fight with, like, one of my favorite music tracks in this in this whole expansion. It was so good. Um, mm-hmm. And then you 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 best Vana in, in, in combat to, to satisfy Argos. Um, and then he's like okay, I guess I'll let you ride me. And then you come to the realization of, oh, that's why we could ride him on the moon. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he already knew, because time loops. And yeah, this already happened. The uh, I was actually horrified here. Um, I'm sure lots okay. of people were horrified for, for many different reasons, because you don't want to fight mom. But uh, there's, there's sort of a theme, a pattern, if you will, where... During a storyline, they set you up in a fight, like a personal instance fight, and they show you things that you might have to fight later so you can experience mm. various mechanics and sort of foreshadow. And I'm just like, oh, no, we are going to have to fight mom again later. <laughs> oh, no. 
see, I'm combat sexual, so a good yeah. duel is oh, no. always a good in my oh, life. Oh no! I'm like, like, let's go. Girls like, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm more convinced than I. I didn't realize you had anything up. in common with Xenos. Oh yeah. no! Unfortunately, yes. This is one area in which Xenos and I are the same, and I hate to say it, and mm. it tastes bad. After it. all the talk <laughs> about fan fiction and your own personal love letter, you're still going to throw hate to Xenos fans. I'm just saying. Okay, Aldino, I don't appreciate this excuse and just pinpoint precision strike against me. <sighs> I'm just saying. No, you're right. You're right. I'm a hypocrite. But I loved dueling. Oh, yeah. That I was fun. It. Yeah. For me, it was just, it was just the, the idea. Yeah, the idea that this is preparation for later. Oh, no. What hmm. is going to happen? It, it did feel, I think, narratively, it felt kind of unnecessary. Like if I'm being honest, like okay, oh, but that's now we, not what I'm saying. No, no, no. But I, I, I get it, right? That that little taste of like, hey, you know, mechanics and here's here's sure. things happening. But I think narratively, it's just like let's fight so you could ride my dog. I'm like, all right. That having been said, I again, I think that the music that played during that fight was a really awesome track. Like the whole time, I'm like, I think, yeah, I love this music. Like this is great. I think it has two purposes. Yes, it's a fun fan fiction fight. You know, that's cool. But also, she kind of, at the end, you don't win, first and foremost, you don't win. She nearly kills you and you survive, and she's like, oh, yeah, you're stronger than I thought. That's okay, right, I, miss, I misspoke right. on that. No, that's fine, that's, that's yeah. fine. It's just, it's kind of a test, kind of yeah. like later on, too. It's this, okay, well, if that's true, exactly. well, let's see what, okay, all right, so you still survive with some power, all right, that's cool. You know, it... It's not said to us, and that could be just navel-gazing, right? But to me, with her character and how she's shown, yeah, it was like, yeah, it's fun because I want to see how strong you are, and I'm going to have fun because I like yeah. to punch people. But also, how does this work? Oh, okay, you're all right. All right, then maybe I will do it in the future. You know? It's kind of a, a check. Yep. Mm -hmm. That I agree. definitely was bouncing around in my head, mm -hmm. freaking me out. Yep. It's a contrivance. I mean, it is a game, sure. right? So, like, yeah. this is a thing that is designed to give you some kind of action within the pacing of your narrative. I mean, that's, like, just, just to be frank. However, as someone who is combat sexual, but also mm -hmm. as, somebody, as somebody who uh, did stage combat, right? Uh, so I've talked about this a bit, and I did a lot of sword play and uh, uh, was certified in several different combat forms. Um, fights tell a story. There's a reason that in games we see them used as narrative devices. And I think there's also something to be said very much about fights that are done well. My gosh, Mad Max Fury Road, please just watch it. It's an entire like book on this. <laughs> Whether or not you care about how the story turned mm -hmm. out, the fight choreo in that film is unbelievable, mostly because it tells the story of the characters and it expresses something about them who they are, how they think, how they act in a situation that is reflexive as opposed to reflective, when you are in your own mind constructing an answer, right? When you are putting on a front in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think there's a reason that Vinat as a character puts us to the test through martial 
contrivances of game, yes, but mm -hmm. also in the sense that as a character, she is experiential. She is somebody who believes in going to places, experiencing things, seeing things, doing things, taking action, as well as backing up the conviction of what you believe, um, having, you know, what your beliefs are, having drawn from all of those experiences. So to have her be so just like down to fight at <laughs> all times, I'm like, yes, she probably would learn something about you that she would never get if you were just speaking to her. And the way you confront her, the way you fight her, the way that you deal with that. Are you an underhanded person that when backed into a mm -hmm. corner, you're going to grab a handful of dust and toss it into her eyes? You know, that old trick. Are you someone who's going to like that stuff speaks about character. So I do think that fights can be an important vehicle for that. Um, and I liked it because of that. I don't know if I think this fight in and of itself is an exemplary like mm. demonstration of character beats in the actual combat itself. Um, but it says a little something about her with the classes that right. she plays. It says a mm. little something about her with the dialogue she has, the way she She's very you. cocky. Uh -huh. She's very self-assured. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after this happens, uh, you end up... Uh, this is this is when things kind of this is when when oh no starts to happen right <laughs> we get that idea of oh okay so this is why we're here this is what we're here to see um, hold on mm -hmm. we we go over to that island where mm -hmm. he releases them yeah right don't we yeah. get a flashback don't we get a, an echo we do yeah a flashback to him releasing them yeah releasing them yeah 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 um, I, I got a lot of I got a lot of DMs because of that cut scene yeah 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 because like when you go out there before you before you do it. Vuna actually stops and explains to you how this works. And the way she does it is her explaining like, like basically a blanket retcon, but explainer of how it was supposed to work and the things that they've tacked onto it since then. So she's like, okay, so here's the 1.0 explanation of what the echo is. And then because of some of the stuff we did in the middle, here's another part we tacked onto it. And here's another part we're adding to it now. And as you can see, this is a clearly coherent narrative of how the <laughs> echo works to look into the past. And it's been, it's been very consistent the entire time. And I got a whole bunch of DMs of like screenshots of this scene that are like, there's no other reason they did this other than you interviewing him about it like <laughs> 10 times. This is just a preemptive shut up moose cutscene is what this is. So yeah, like they spent so they spent a good amount of time like explaining how the um the echo is it's supposed to be this resonance between souls. Mm -hmm. And the echo is you looking into someone having a strong memory. And then they were able to extend that to objects. So like if you touch an object that was touched by someone who was having a strong memory recently, you can kind of feel the echo of it there, which is how they got out of the fact that in the, the you know, the very first cutscene of 1.0, there's nobody there to get an echo off of. He's getting <laughs> it off a leave plate. Anyway, um, so they, <laughs> then they have to extend it to, well, actually sometimes, your echo can piece together the event that happened by reading the ripples that have been left on the ambient ether. And it's like, finally, okay, we have it all figured out. We know how it all works. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's how we get our, our flashback of how the, the media. <laughs> went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we, we kind of have this, this whole scene, right? Everybody's together. Um, and this, this part confused me actually for so there's the you know they're, they're starting to talk about how they went out there and like what did they find um and median has this like this this moment where she kind of like looks up and goes like oh hello like who are you can we be friends like like she found somebody out there 
and I'm, this was the moment where I'm like, oh, she found Big Bad. She found this out. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. I thought she made contact with whatever yeah. the bad was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same. But that wasn't what, like, who, who did she find? Like, was it? Uh, uh, she found just someone and it wasn't, it was one of the sisters and she's the relay of all the sisters, right? Right. So one of the sisters, that was the moment that one of the sisters found one of the bad worlds. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she started to read them and relay what she read through, you know, these basically satellite sisters right. to her, it was like, oh, it's just despair. Oh, God, I've never felt this before mm-hmm. because no one on my planet has this much despair other than Hermes. Mm-hmm. And he's not that bad. He's not dying, like, in a global he's war. He's just, like, depressed or... and sad. He's not, right. like, global yeah. genocide or something. want to relay the message because mm-hmm. it's not what he wanted to hear. Exactly. Yeah, and that's right. why she cuts it off. And she's like, nope, that's it. I have to leave. This is like one of the the real foreshadowing moments, yeah. like the solid ones where a lot of pieces come together because you're getting a demonstration of the relay. You're getting mm-hmm. proof, proof, proof that there's life out there. You're getting proof that there are answers we don't want out there. And you're getting this upcoming kind of vibe that she would really struggle to tell him what he doesn't want to hear and that this would overwhelm her with the same despair she's feeling. So it's like this, this it's all starting to come together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think Emmett Salk's commentary about the stupidity of this yeah. is like fantastic yeah. because, because, right? It's like, it doesn't really come down, I guess, so much to Hermes wanting to know this. It comes down to the way he tried to do this and the fact that he sent these incredibly emotionally sensitive these little creatures that have no concept of literally anything like this girl didn't even know what flowers were or candied apples she has no knowledge she has no understanding of the great philosophies of the debates of life of the context of what emotional range of experience Mm -hmm. is right she has literally no understanding of what is normal for the beings that she's around other than Hermes who is in a permanent state of stinky funkiness at all Mm. times like she just doesn't know all she knows is that like the tiny little things that she's come into contact with what existing is are this narrow little field and that she feels bad when Hermes feels bad Mm -hmm. right Mm. and so then you get this like context of these just emotionally underdeveloped creatures being onslaughted with the most powerful emotions of all time that we as people, as individuals who aren't even experiencing this on the kind of scale that they would can't even handle. And she's like, but they've been sent out there to deal with this. And it's like. He was not prepared for the answers to the Fermi paradox. I'm going to keep talking about this because dead ends is literally the Fermi paradox the dungeon right the answers right there's very many answers to why people think we don't have any contact with any other civilizations that we know of right well they're all dead that's one this one is kind of similar to the dark forest uh theory or branch of theories which is like you don't want to and everybody else knows that or at least a lot of people know that emmett selk himself is like no don't do that that's a dumb idea one you have no idea what they're going to come back with and two that's a big, bright beacon to say, hi, we're here. It's kind of stupid when you think about it, obviously. But yeah, it like this is where I started to really get on the train because it got into this kind of sci-fi adjacent, interesting answers to Fermi paradox idea. 
These are conflicting TED talks. Like I've yeah. seen these. I've seen these <laughs> TED talks. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is this is where it starts to go further downhill because I already wasn't crazy about Medion. Sure. Um, but then, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of take us through the, the story as yeah. I go through this. So we we have she she communicates with sat via satellite like somebody, right? Which mm-hmm. I guess maybe could have been a little more obvious to me. I thought she found the big bad, and so emotionally, mentally, I was like, we're getting ready for like the big bad yeah. guy reveal, right? Um, and she's like, oh, this is bad. I can't tell him. So then she just kind of like vanishes and you spend a couple <laughs> of quests like trying to find her. You find her finally. And she's like, yeah. So like, did uh, did we find the, the list, Charles, of the or did, did, maybe Moose has it, the, the different planets that, that, that she found? She's like one one. Uh, they like killed each other with weapons of mass destruction. Um, the other was like was just like sickness or something. She's there's like yeah, three it's or the four. Dead ends. Yeah, it's yeah. The dead ends. So yeah, you've it's got the ones in dead ends. The plague, plague or barren desert was one. Yeah. Violent conflict. Was one. Yeah, she's basically um, like. So this is what I found, and I didn't want to tell you this, but it's all bad. <laughs> yeah, and, I would argue. I would uh, argue that uh, this is the reveal of the big bad. It it is, but not in the way that I was expecting it to go. Right, and because I'm so stuck on what my like preconceived like expectations were, that's why I wasn't crazy about this. Uh, For some, see, this is go go ahead, go ahead. Um, so we basically Medion's talking about all this stuff, and Emmett Selk's like, "All right, so here's what we're gonna do: we're taking Bird Girl back to Amrot. You're coming with us because we still want you to be Fan Daniel, but also we have questions about Bird Girl." Um, and then Hermes is like, no. And he like does his like transformation thing, picks up Meteon and goes over to, to the dungeon. Right. Because he wants to hear the rest of the report. Um, and so you go over there really cool. Cause you can do the dungeon with Emmett, Hathodius and Venatus trust. Super awesome. I loved that part, mm-hmm. but you, you, moments. you go so up, good. you go up through the dungeon, you, you fight Hermes and then like, she like finished her, 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 go ahead. I could see you, you have thoughts. No, mm. I really fast. There is a scene I wanted to talk about before this point. Okay. Which is the scene where you talk to Vinat before you go, like you're on that um, walkway. Oh, going into yes. Hyperborea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. loves the world. Yeah. I sobbed. I, I cried. Mm-hmm. I think for me, this was actually one of my, my top favorite moments from the entire expansion, okay. which is like many people have not felt like it seems like it's a really inconsequential thing. Right. But um, I adore this. And f- for her character, I think it's also something that's so important um, because like you see in her time, this idea that so many people were just like, well, this is the role I play and this is what I do. And then I will just let it all go and I'll become mm-hmm. one with the live stream. And like, the fact that she has such a veracity for everything, like mm-hmm. for existence, for life, for the people of the world, like to me, she is for whatever you might get into with the ultimate decisions that she made right out of everyone from her generation. I feel like she was the most the the most empowered to make that decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Because, yeah. Like, because she is someone who, again, 
wasn't content with just what was in front of her in many ways. Like she broke convention. She learned as much as she could. She traveled. She learned from people. She went around the world. And I think for me personally, like this may not be a lore specific thing, but it is a really resonant thing for me, I think. More and more and more that I encounter people online, worldwide, in games, wherever it is, there is so there are so many, so many moments in all of us where we think what I know is the end of all that there is to know. And I have always felt, I guess, like as a human being, this incredible, overpowering urge to know more, to have more time to see and meet more people. I'm sorry, I'm gonna get emotional just talking <laughs> about it. Because when I think about how much a single person can change my life, or any of you have changed my life, and I think about all those meetings that I haven't had, but I could have, all the things that I don't know, but I could know, all the cultures and people and places and experiences that are different from me that make this world something that no one of us can ever understand. I think about that cutscene. Oh, there's really that dynamic again. You're getting me teary out here oh, now, too. I'm, really, well. I'm sorry. I can't talk about this moment because I think it's one that a lot no. of people just passed by thinking like, oh, Vinod's cool and she likes traveling. But to me, <laughs> like, like, it was so profound to me because I think there is so much more to be said about that, about like a person, a character that would break the world she loved more than any other because she realized that it deserved to be saved. And if that meant breaking it, right? If that meant putting faith in, in the hope that other people could love the way she loved and for all the differences and diversity and things and horizons that are yet to be discovered could love those the way that she loved them and learn more for it. Um, that one chance, that opportunity for others to see and learn. I mean, it's something that I think we all need to keep in mind in our own existence to never be content and to always learn more in that sense of not content with like your existence and happiness, but like content, like with believing that everything we've experienced is the end all be all of experience. Um, that's all. I had a lot of feelings about this one and it really got me. So you don't say <laughs> I, I couldn't tell I want another dynamist flare up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you ready? Second, everybody. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that is Vinod. And then what happened? I mean, we're going to talk about the cutscene yeah. after this. Yep. But oh, imagine okay, the torture so, it is to not be yeah. able to do that anymore, but to be alive for that entire time and to be blind. Yeah. Yeah, that that really sucked. Like, so hearing, <laughs> hearing you say that some people didn't find this uh, cutscene impactful stuns me. Honestly, I, I it is it is on my list of things that made me sob. Mm -hmm. Um this just the things that she says, how much she loves people and she, she gives you the reason why she won't return to the star. Mm -hmm. People still need help. That that's the simple message of it. She says she will not return to the star as long as people still need help. And she actually says at some point uh she's going to walk unto the end and I was like, "Ah, you said the thing." <laughs> that's the name you of the, th the I thing. get it. I get it. Um, but like what Charles is saying, uh, saying that she can't return to the star as long as people still need help. She ended up doing it anyway. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's all she could give in the end. Yeah. And I think we, she realized, too, that others could also give, you yeah. know. And she we're willing. Yes. No. And she didn't have to carry it alone anymore. 
Sorry, this I is, got okay, this, is, you can go. this is an incredible <laughs> roller coaster of emotion because I'm over here. I'm like, let me tell you how this started to get really <laughs> stupid. And they're like, but wait, I need to cry. Hold on. <laughs> this is why when we were talking about it in the first in the first place, the, the three of us were like, what do you mean you didn't like that part? What do you mean? You're like, nah, that part. But like, that's so okay, right? Like, this yeah, that's okay. totally valid. Yeah. Like, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. even in this discussion of, right, like, experience, right? Like, that scene with Vinat, the idea and the themes of this, the experiences that we have, MMOs are an incredible platform to deliver this kind of narrative because what are we doing? We are always looking forward to the next adventure with the people we can share it with. And, like, to me, again, to like say that, again, all of us can have different experiences and that is all right is literally the message of this expansion. You and know that's, what I mean? and that's like, exactly what we're talking about now is different experiences. <laughs> so it's, it's all, it, it's right. It got it right. Um, so yeah, we, we do have that cutscene, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I had forgotten about it, but it is, it is a good cutscene. Um, or, you know, it's a very good cutscene. Um, I love that cutscene. <laughs> So you have that cutscene. You get into Hyperbria. You go in with, you know, the trust if you want or a party, whatever. You fight Hermes. And then you get to hear, like, the rest of Meteon's report, which really, honestly, isn't that much. She could have told that to Hermes, like, on their way to, like, the teleport thing to leave Elpis. Like, he didn't need to be like, oh, I'm going to, like, pick her up and kidnap her because I need to hear the rest of this. Like, she didn't have that much more to say. So that feels really stupid. One, okay? Two, you get the the this cutscene where she's like, yeah, so I've decided she, she has her transformation. Right. And we've seen this effect already now. And so we go, Oh, there's, there's the thing. Okay. She goes, uh, yeah. So I don't think like you're fit to live anymore. And it's like, Oh, oh all right. And then Hermes is like, yeah, but like, I don't know. Like I kind of disagree. I might side with them. And she, 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 she has that one bit where she's like, Oh, you, you fool. Like I would have like made it, like your death quick or something like that if you didn't like side with them which is like damn girl you got like creepy real quick <laughs> well that, I mean, that's also what her ultimate decision is yeah death to mm -hmm. everybody so that they don't have to experience pain mm -hmm. yeah and uh yeah so i don't know just th just that that whole part where, where hermes like flips out and like kind of like kidnaps her and stuff it's like, I need, you know, the whole basis was like, I want to hear the rest of what she has to say and what she found. It's, and ultimately, yeah. it's, it's not that much more. So, like, I, I just, I don't know. It feels really weird. Well, that's it's, also probably the mechanics of the game. Yeah. They don't want to sit sure. there and give it's us the, the same thing over, the world. And over and over and over. They should have, though. The world. <laughs> she could have been but, spouting this stuff off while we're chasing them through the dungeon for all I we think, know. Yeah. Honestly, I think she, she still didn't want to tell him. I think she was hoping that you would win. <laughs> and so she mm. was waiting to see what would happen. Yeah, please, please but just kill Hermes for me. I mean, or at least knock him out, make him stop, because she was okay with the plan. I think to go back to Amarat, I thought she was, and then he was like, tell me, and she's like, no, I will not. I won't tell you either. Um, but it's really internally consistent with the entire everything we learned in Amarat. They are debaters. They yeah. want to know the truth. Hermes is just driven to go... Well, no, I need to hear this. You don't understand. This is my life's work, and my life is very long, potentially, if you don't mm -hmm. return me to the star because I did something bad. Who knows if that is even a thing that they do. Uh, but it's just so internally consistent with the everything of this civilization. Like, Emmett Selk would have done the same thing if it was something he was interested in. You know, Vana has done the same. Asim mm -hmm. has done the same thing. Elidibus... Yeah. 
La Habrea, they are all flawed in this way. So it just it made sure. sense to me. I'm like, yeah, he's going to do whatever he can do. He needs yeah. to hear it. And even if it was just like, oh, they said it sucks. Ah, well, sucks. All right. Yeah. I guess I'll go back now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just again, right? Just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what I does... Say, Fusion, I agree with you. And I think this was particularly rough if we had not had that section where you have to play tag with her beforehand. Mm. Sure. Like, the pacing of that section was agonizing to it me. Was not and I won't lie. I yeah. love this. I love this expansion. There are real high points for me. There are parts of it that we have critiqued, and I think that's great. Like this is again the experience, mm -hmm. right? But I do find that the game of cat and mouse in the dungeon felt a little bit thinner as a contrivance, given that we had literally just chased her like <laughs> for thirty minutes. Like as, get, as like, yeah, some right. tiny little tidbit of nonsense, and then I have to go chase her again. And the only good thing that came out of it was the bit with. Emmett Selk not wanting to get his robes wet. And that yeah. was the most charming part of that entire experience. I like, totally made him walk into the water and get his robes wet. Yeah. I just Um Yeah, I think for me too, like this that that cutscene, right, where Medion has that that satellite connection where where mm -hmm. I thought we were gonna get like a big bad reveal. That is one of my one of the only moments I think in, in this expansion where it's like, oh shit. Like this is this is getting real like things are getting heavy like this is going to escalate now this is going to be great and instead we go play hide and seek <laughs> <laughs> so me, and then and then I we get her and then we got to go up through a dungeon to get back to her because yeah it's just, i don't know it's a little weird i mean it's once again it's every final fantasy ever you know what i mean i was like whatever i don't care i just want to know sure yeah. give me a dungeon that's fine give me a dungeon that's like I, it's a first and foremost that dungeon is beautiful it is spectacular yeah and it is a very interesting facility it has an interesting name i'm not going to go into names like we don't let's not go into that and the idea of what a hyperborean is a lore cast what do you I, mean we're not going to go into the names <laughs> of the lore cast i mean it's just it's 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 just like the idea of creation beyond the planet like hyperborea is beyond the north wind and the hyperboreans were these ideal people right uh, to ancient greece and and a lot of other people but it's just this kind of thematic thing that that fits all together this kind of proving ground that they have now i you know we're about to talk about more of it and there's a part that i know you don't like that i also don't like so we can get to that part i want to take a second before we sure. get to there because i actually love this dungeon yeah and i think there's a lot of like little things in it that are just so great even from again like building out the lore of how the ancients existed mm -hmm. with this idea of like multi-dimensional spaces like right. the tardis but you know like i just i love this feeling of like the possibilities that offers us as far as i don't even know if they're able to recreate it in the future or the landscapes and things like that so having this incredible um facility that had been like magically constructed and knowing mm -hmm. that there's like a group that does this right there's some sort of you know um I, I don't remember what they're actually called but like some kind of like architects or like mm -hmm. a, you know a group that is specializing in this kind of like inter creation inter yeah. creation interdimensional space shenanigans um to then design this facility where you could test out multiple creations so you have all these different environments and all these little snippets and even just the little things that you get with the classes of each of the NPCs mm -hmm. that you bring in, Emmett mm -hmm. Selk being Dark Knight and him also having his big role to play in Shadowbringers. I was like, I love that for him. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, the little thing with Bard, but they call it Soul Seer. Is that what it is? Soul Seer? Yeah, he is Soul Seer. 
I'm like, revamp Bard, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love, I love the idea of re-envisioning it that way. And uh, Hithlodeus, I say Hithlodeus, but it, they do say Hithlodeus in the game. Mm. Um, like, I loved that they kind of re-envisioned some of the even possible origin points for right. the like traditions and magics and things that we would see iterated upon and evolve later in the world. Um, and I think Vina is dancer in that one, right? Well, I guess it depends on what you're doing. Yeah. She's yeah. The of it. She's the flex. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to point out too, if people haven't seen this yet, um, if you level up your, your like trust avatars and you go in uh, the, uh, that first boss that like vanishes and like walks around and you have to like follow the footprints and stuff. Um, if you go in with like Alice, she'll have dialogue that's like, oh, where'd he go? And she'll just start attacking at places mm -hmm. at random. And I think that's such a cool detail that they have something like that. Yeah, um, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great little details. I also <laughs> I've seen a lot of conflict about the what is it? Pain, pain, go away. Because Hithlodius with Soulseer also uses Benediction. And if he yeah. uses it, he'll say pain, pain, go away. It's people like, I thought that was dumb. And then other people, myself included, are like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. He's such a weird little man slash non-binary friend. Like, I love that he has this strange little sense of humor and he's doing his own thing. And he's like, mm -hmm. I just love it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's I thought there were a lot of great little moments in that dungeon. And the actual like seeing the interior of these facilities, seeing how they might work and conceptualize and i i just personally love that as somebody who's interested in ancient lore yeah i thought it was really cool the music was really cool too i love the music track in that um mm -hmm. oh and all the bird enemies because we know sure. that hermes has a fondness for creating aerial yep. creatures so mm -hmm. you have all of the bird enemies that are in there awesome. there's lots of birds there's so much in just even his appearance and his his abilities like trismegistos or whatever that's called i i can't pronounce it but like that's a a a word for a god that is related to Hermes Thoth, and then Hermetica is the book that was written about. It's like what we're gonna get into it in uh, um, uh, the last zone as well. Uh, Ultima Thule. Just the names that they are picking are mm -hmm. just amazing to me. Yeah, um, they did it also purposefully, honestly. Oh, yes. yeah. sure. and oh, even yeah. his design in the transformation, yes. right? The staff. Mm -hmm. The wings, all of these different like pieces of symbolism that really cool. obviously drew from Hermes the God and depictions of him. I thought that was awesome. I want to see more like transformative things in the future with characters. Of course, there's a part of me that's like, if they ever did do the expansion that everybody's been sort of giggling about where you play as a Zem back in the past, like, <laughs> what would a Zem look oh, like? Lord. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's funny. I had I had this this brief moment because deep down I'm a child, um, where Hermes does his, his transformation and you know takes me out of way, and we get up there and we're fighting him. And all I could think about this whole time is like, uh, he's naked, because mm -hmm. <laughs> they talk about that that idea of transformation, and that's like akin to like being without clothing and being like in the nude or whatever. And it's like ah, we're fighting the naked Hermes. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that fusion because I had completely <laughs> forgotten that that's such a great lore detail in this zone because um, they're doing they're talking about it when he subdues or they're talking about subduing the um, the snakes, the mm -hmm. wind snakes. Uh, yeah, they're 
two things earlier that come out of that. One, the fact that the ancients apparently had a penchant for making everything able to fly, which mm -hmm. explains like all the weird flying, like aquatic creatures you see around yeah. in a way that yeah. I never expected that we would get. And then two, the way that they viewed things like the guardian force transformation. This is what I'm going to call it because I, 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 that's what I've, I don't know. That's what I, I think of, but I guess you're technically almost turning into a primal. You, you are changing yourself in this way, um, which we know that only the most powerful sorcerers were able to do. Um, so it's very interesting that like they viewed it. Yeah. As being almost like, I guess a revealing of your own unique nature, which would have been very shameful in this society mm -hmm. that is all about, again, uniformity, uh, the wearing of the same cloaks, the masks, all this kind of stuff. So to like lay bare your ether, which is one of the most intrinsic things about them and manifest it in a way that's unique to you is like, yes, like being in the nude. And I loved that lore detail. Like if you are a role player who's looking to do ancient stuff, I think that's a great little thing to keep. You mm -hmm. just liked seeing Emmett sell naked. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those places where I love where I love that what probably happened was there was something that existed for for the sake of like a game mechanic or a story mechanic or something like that. And they were like, we can do so much more with this, because if you go back in time, like the Asians have always had these, quote unquote, true forms mm -hmm. and. They, you know, they take possession of other people and they come to you looking like Hewer because they're in disguise. And we had this whole thing about how La Habrea had a true form. And that's what the Reaper was this whole time. And it was just this rolling level of excuses. So so now you, all I can think about is that that true Reaper form. We Because remember, we see that yeah. that Asian in, in 1.0, right? The kind of the Reaper Asian. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about. We're oh, there. No. There's like the... <laughs> We've got the beast tribe people here. They're like, oh my god, it's an Asian. And just, just like Laha Bray naked, just going woo through that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's, it's, I love that they, because we know that they, like, even those transformations were kind of rooted in a love letter to 12 in a way. Uh, or not, I, in this case, I guess it would be more tactics, like the true forms of the original Lukavi. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you attach that to the Asians, and then you make excuses for it, like, oh, this was La Habrea, because they we hadn't invented La Habrea yet, but he can be the Reaper, and then the true form will be the Reaper. And then you find out that, you know, Hades has his own true form that's been warped over years and years and years and has become this kind of testament to the pressure he puts himself under to save his people. And then you see Hermes's true form, and then you find out that everybody's got a true form. And it's again, like you said, connected to individuality and bearing who you are. And, oh, what a way to take some basic thing and turn it into this huge meaningful thing that we all get to talk about now now, now i'm imagining right. like the big like transformed herbies in his assian robes is like turning around and be like does this robe make my true self's butt look big or something just like with this tiny little robe on him my mind is a weird place um meanwhile i like the poll that rook had <laughs> where she, uh, she's like yeah and, and this explains why everything flies i much prefer that to everything farts and that's how it flies <laughs> Fart to fly around. That was well, the previous. We, I, I still remember. Um, originally, it was like, oh yeah, uh, it floats because it has uh, a second bladder. Yeah, air bladder. Yeah, a fart sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, a ah, I, like, I like the other one. All right, I like, so I like this new. Yeah, back to the story. <laughs> we've talked. We've started to talk about fart sacks. I think. I think we're done with with our our tangents here. I think we've hit the. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, Median determines that humanity is not fit to live, uh, and she just like takes off into space. Uh, it's like there's a point where it almost looks like that. Like the more you know, things just go, like it's just it's gone. Um, Vana immediately takes off after her, trying to stop her, um, and then she like turns into like that bird form. Um, and becomes out of reach, and Vanat uses basically like a tracking spell. She just shoots this little thing on her. Um, it's like, all right, well, we'll find you sometime, somewhere, eventually. <laughs> um, sometime, literally. <laughs> yeah, and so this this next part was interesting too. Um, so you have I feel like interesting doesn't do justice to this next part. This is, okay, so this next place is like super crazy cuckoo bananas. All right. Thank you. Hey. Um, Emmett Selk and Hithlodius are basically having like the standoff with Hermes because Hermes says, no, like let her go. She's, she's not wrong. Um, but to like make this fair, you know, in all fairness, I'm going to have this big clock thing, wipe our memories. So we don't know what's happening. Um, and while this is, is going on, they're like, okay, well, obviously this is, this is, this is bad. Like we need to remember what happened so that we can stop it. Um, and so Hithlodius is like, yeah, there's like this, uh, I, I forget, what did he call it? The, the conduit the conduit. I yeah. Think it was a conduit. Um, and he's like, yeah, there's this thing over here. We're going to break it and you can get out and it's going to be great. Um, and it kind of like throws Hermes off for a second because that's not actually where it was. It's over here. And mm -hmm. eventually like essentially what happens is Vana and the warrior of light escape this. So Hermes, Emmett Selk and, uh, Hithlodius, all lose their memories of everything that happened in Elpis, which is partially why we don't have this, you know, any conversations about this with Emmett Silk and Shadowbringers or, you know, right. It, it kind of helps to solve that kind of mm -hmm. issue. It's like, well, we, we've already met. <laughs> um, this drove me nuts. I'm not going <laughs> to <Yep>. lie. <laughs> I was yelling the mm -hmm. whole time. I just, Oh, I don't know. This is funny, Moose, because I feel like you started the zone where I ended the zone. Because <laughs> I had all these things that I, like, loved in the experience up until this. And that's not to say that I don't love this zone. Obviously, I cried about it here on the podcast. I adore this zone. It's one of my absolute favorites. But these last story beats with the memory wiping and like, yes, they had mentioned that the facility had the memory wipe earlier on. Mm -hmm. It's not like I don't think mm -hmm. it came from no like nowhere. It's just that. Like you were saying, sometimes time travel devices get mm -hmm. so annoying. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where it feels like you can't even invest in the time that you have, like the things that you have done, because like those actions just don't even matter or whatever it is, or it just like gets so convoluted or it just gets so weird. And again, I don't think this is expansion breaking for me personally. I was very, very up in arms in the moment when I was playing through. But like, again, the way everything culminates, the way it all, like that time was well spent. You mm -hmm. learn a lot from it. Again, I don't think it nullifies the zone, but I was so mad because I was sitting there. Like you had me sit down and tell them face to face everything yeah. that had happened thus far. I truly thought that like, if you were going to do this, you wouldn't cop out at the last second. <laughs> I mean, I that's, that's the thing. It's like I you, you want to have your, your cool like tea party. You can have it, but yes. <laughs> we have to have and a like, big old you. clock. 
<laughs> their souls get purged and all this stuff happens at the end. But again, there's even a beat there where it feels very much like they then were just like, whoopsies, and then they just leave again. So like <laughs> the not remembering was important and like important things happen here. But I was so annoyed that like in the moment I was just going, does this make this more tragic? Yes, I guess on one hand, because they could have remembered us. They just don't like or whatever it is. But at the same time, I was so annoyed. I was like, if you're going to go back and you're going to do this, then you commit to it. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it in a very strange way. Um, okay. I'm I'm defending it from a place of like obligation rather than joy, because mm -hmm. as I was approaching this part of the story, this little like dam in my mind broke, and I had this cascade of oh, that's how this connects to this. That's how this connects to this. This that's how they're gonna get away with this. And what it all went back to is when we first watched. Charleon talk about their memory wiping and mm -hmm. how it works and why it works. The whole thing that go was going through my head is this is a PowerPoint presentation and all of those exist to explain something that's coming up in the story. Yeah. It's going to be a big thing later in the story. So as I'm running up and they're talking about memory, I'm like, oh, they're all going to be wiped. And that's why this doesn't change the future. And that's why we're able to interact with the characters in the future the way we do. And then that's going to tie into the ending. But it gives Vana the edge she needs to manipulate time. And it gets my bootstrap paradox back. But it mm -hmm. won't cost. So it was like, yes, when you all are calling it like forced or contrived or whatever we want to call it, I think it's just like this hard lump. I'm going to call it a conceit. That this is where Square Enix is saying, look, this is the knot that ties it all together. This one conceit moment must exist for all of this other cool shit to be possible, to work outright, to preserve the game as we have it and to get to the ending we want. It needs, there just needs to be a little discomfort here. And I, I'm going to call this the, the, um, the Stormblood moment of Endwalker, <laughs> because that's what Stormblood was. It was growing pains. It was a conceit yeah. to say, like, we have we've kind of flown by the seat of our pants for a bit. And there needs to be a little discomfort here if we're going to bring all these threads together and make this story possible and get to somewhere satisfying. And I think that's just the conceit of this cutscene. I agree with you. I mean, you're right. Yes. Like it has to happen in mm -hmm. the sense for things as we know them to exist. And like I said, when we were sitting at that table, I had that moment where I was like, are they either going to change everything we thought we knew and we're going to be realizing a different future, which would be ridiculous. But hey, I mean, they could. Or is something else going to have to happen to reconcile what has happened so overtly here? Right. So like, I agree. I'm still not happy, <laughs> but like, I mean, again, it's like in the larger picture of things, yes, it functions, it works, it does the thing. I think it's great that at least Vinat does remember and that sense of like what even motivated her to look for you or use you as the warrior of light, I think mm -hmm. is a great justification from all of this. Like, I just, I, it felt well, like they just got my hopes up that they were gonna do something so revolutionary. Yeah. And then at the very last second, you know, in the moment I was just going, Oh, okay. Well, you did just do the thing everyone else does. Okay. Well, at least you <laughs> had the standout. Rule. Go ahead. I was just going to say, at least you know you had the standout moment, and this might segue, and I'm sorry, but of Emmett Selk and Hythlidea showing us what their youth was like. These plans that they made, they didn't have to mm. talk about it, right? And they, it, it's, it's that camaraderie and that feeling. It's just really cool that they were able to show that in that moment with 
just throw away because whatever yeah. there's a ticking time clock that you're paying attention to but that ruse and then basically alluding to that it feels like old time it's just Adorable. it just makes you think about when they were younger because they say that you know Emmett Selk has a misspent youth with Asim and Hythlodeus or Hythlodeus mm -hmm. doing random nonsense and I'm like this is what they were doing they're running scams like this. Like that's that's amazing. It's, I love to see it. Yeah, this this whole zone, the the story in this whole zone. It's weird because it's I think ultimately you get to spend just enough time with the characters. Um but there's you know, there's a little part that's like I want more though. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think narratively, even, yeah. Cuz we we've, mm -hmm. we've yeah. spent some I mean, time with them already. Yeah. It culminated in the only way it really could have to right. keep everything else coherent. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the rest of this zone, I do think is amazing. And like you said, I love that little character beat. I'll do you know mm -hmm. with like, again, what people do in the heat of an action packed moment is very telling about characterization. And like you said, you immediately get that sense that they've known each other, that misspent youth, that thought, that idea, they've done this kind of thing. They instinctively know these things in this kind of high pressure situation in which they can do this little swapper Rooney teleport mm -hmm. shenanigan without having to have some kind of planning meeting mm -hmm. beforehand. You know, it's mm -hmm. also it was telling. get help, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was get help. Oh my God. I understood this that is, reference and I appreciate it. This little, little bit earlier when we get into Elpis, uh, where a car drives by really loudly, uh -huh. um, where uh, Hermes. Not Hermes, not Hithlodius, um It comes up that Hithlodius didn't take the seed um, of Emmett Selk instead. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and he says that partially this happens because his greatest achievement will be helping Azim and Emmett Selk achieve their dreams. So mm -hmm. I like that it was then sort of reinforced later on. Like he, it's one thing to tell, but then to show mm -hmm. this this thing, like you're saying, Charles is is really great and just builds on the little that we did know of their relationship already. But yeah. just from what we did see, that little we did see, it's it's such a a dynamic love between all these characters that it's wonderful to sort of experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for me in this in this particular moment, uh, going back to the clock on wiping memories, uh, as a rule, I hate amnesia plots. I hate them. Uh, unless they're they're done very 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 well, uh, I do not think that this was necessarily done well. But in the moment, in the in the moment where I'm sitting there going, are they about to fucking wipe my memory? Are they about to do this to me yeah. right mm. now? I was like mad, freaking out just a little bit, and I because can't take of the that, player's memory. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I was like, what does this mean for the rest of the story? So I'm like thinking far ahead into things that do not happen <laughs> but like at the time just being like what is this gonna mean what is this gonna do and like that had me excited enough that i didn't hate what happened mm -hmm. i'm overall not not super impressed i think that they probably could have done a better job but because of what i was thinking personally in the moment i didn't hate it right it was I, a lesser of two evil i mm. forgot all about this until now um mm. i had staggered out the degrees to which I'm just like sitting back and letting whatever happens happen. Like one of them was when we got to level 83 and everything we thought we knew, everything we'd predicted, like 100% of all the discussion we'd had before Endwalker in the garbage, gone, <laughs> done. Let's just, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, 
but this is and, and then we got you know the 11th hour introduction of Medion and the connection to the sound and it's just like we didn't have a lot of build up towards that but eh, it's final fantasy you, t- you know what happens happens and then this is where this was the final one for me i believe like i was making some jokes about it in the last one but i'll say mm. like was penultimate this was the yeah. penultimate one for me because when i saw this cutscene, i was just like oh okay cool i don't have to think about anything for the rest of the game because we have reached floating space clock final fantasy mm-hmm. when the floating space clocks show up you can't count on shit anymore <sighs> whatever's happening is happening like this is barthandalus we are just, you know, yeah. Floating space yeah. clock Final Fantasy is where you just, you just, go, you're on the ride. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. You're in the pocket dimension. You're in oh Ultimacia's castle. You're, you yeah. know. You're, I love yeah. that. Ultimacia last expansion, but here she is. Here in she is theory. in this floating space clock. That is what has happened, and you're just there. You're just existing. You just vibe in. Mm-hmm. You just get to take what comes and whatever what it comes That's to. That's great. <laughs> Giant living tree. That's a face. Sure. Clown becomes god. Fine, whatever. Ah! Clown becomes God wins game. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Yep. Yep. This is this is where I gave this is where I gave Ishikawa-san a lot of credit. Because it takes a certain amount of bravery and boldness to look at where 14 has been and how deeply invested in it we are and how nitpicky our role Mm -hmm. players are and how salty I get and to just (laughs) To just yes, you specifically tell this story <laughs> where you're quintessentially boiling down and using all of the best and worst facets of Final Fantasy and JRPG tradition, mm-hmm. like not being afraid to go there because it might have a negative reaction oh, because it might yeah. not fit this game. The power of and, friendship, man. And power going there so strong and with all those connections to the things <clears throat> that we do appreciate that she was able to pull it off. She was able to do shit I hate and get away with it. So like mm-hmm. I'm gonna like bring this back again at the end of the game because the last few cutscenes were peak, not what I wanted at all. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> and got away with it. Like incredible power in Ishikawa being able to do that. And I, this I, was this was just one of those scenes. Right. I will say I wanna right. with with what you said too, I wanna make a note, right? With it with as as many things as I did not like about Endwalker, right? I had other expectations. I also will admit that I don't know if I could have done it any better. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, I have like a million ideas. But at the end of the day, they were aiming to conclude this story and they had to do it somehow. And this is what, you know, they were able to connect as much as they did. And that's I don't know if I could have done it any better. So I thought uh, you were going to turn around and be like, so for as many things as I didn't like, I actually really like this part where they wiped everybody's memory. <laughs> <laughs> this is like my favorite part of the whole it expansion, was... rivaled only by the Xenos fight at the end, is mm-hmm. this one. And <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, that said it so perfectly, Boost. There, there are moments about this expansion that I think will be incredibly divisive for years to come. I think that's great. I think that anything that inspires passionate conversation, especially conversations that are productive and interesting, not just mm, like mm, some mm. really, really. No, you're wrong. You're stupid. Yeah, this sucks. I hate ridiculous it. Dumb thing. Mm. I don't like women in video games. I don't like like whatever. Like those things, mm-hmm. they do not count in this. But what does count is having meaningful discussions about how things made us feel, think, mm. engage. Right here, here, feel, think. <laughs> And yeah, I can't say it better than you, honestly. I think that was on, so on point. I love it. She got away with it. This love- point was not one of my favorites. She got away with it. Ishikawa <laughs> in the corner. 
I love that we're like complimenting each other's phrasing here because I'm sitting about thinking about like, yeah, they did do this and they did it in a way that disappointed us all equally in different ways. <laughs> like I was saying earlier, and that's the big thing. And like we have gone straight from like these deep philosophical comparisons. And now that I'm doing them, you're on the other side going, and these are for the people who are just like, oh, black girls in Star Wars, boo! Like, like, <laughs> Yes, it's like there are certain things that I, oh I'm God. like, I'm sorry. I am all about fostering good conversation and discussion, but there are certain things where I'm like, you want to bring this to the table? No, wrong. <laughs> That's not a good conversation or discussion. And you need to review your own prejudices and you need to review why this makes you so uncomfortable because media needs to show things and diversity and representation and stories can be compelling if they're well-written, no matter what or who you're telling them about. So like- I'm right. It is one of those things where, like, in this expansion, I agree, she went for it. And honestly, I would rather see a developer go for something, like a writer in particular in this case, go for something and try to realize something and to make something bigger than what, you know, it started out as, and to really try to tell a compelling story. And like with that, the idea of like, how do we constantly push this forward so that experiences do have novelty to them, we do have still a grounding in the history of our game, and yet we still have an impactful and emotional experience. This nailed it in a way that, like you said, Fusion, I could not have probably done this better. There are areas where, yes, we can critique and be like, I think maybe this could have been balanced differently. I think this narrative beat could have been more flushed out, so on and so forth, right? But like, yes, for any of the um, contrivances, as we've mm -hmm. talked about them, or the whatever it is, there are still so many incredibly compelling parts of this expansion. Yeah. And just, just like bravery in the storytelling, really, mm -hmm. truly. It, I mean, this was definitely that that part where it's like, okay, and then uh, we wipe their memories. Yeah, but why? Because <laughs> we have to. Like, nothing else works. All right. Like, that's that's it. That's, you know, that was the discussion. Like, there's no way that, that this could have worked if they didn't do this. Um, the argument that Hermes, like, Hermes wanted to judge humankind mm -hmm. on his own, or Asian ancient kind on their own merits. I, like, yes, I guess that's technically the excuse they give Lorewise for this, right? That, like, he wants a blank slate so that he can forget yeah. it and start again and try mm -hmm. to, like, understand or whatever it is. Um, I... <laughs> It does not make me like Hermes anymore. I don't think no. it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Because no. I'm like, who are you to judge? Get out. Like, I I hated him more than ever at this point. Because I think this was really the turning point where we see Hades in a sense, or Hades, Hermes in a sense, um, like, shift from being somebody who is sympathetic and or suffering in their own plight to someone who refuses in a sense to persevere and seek again that outside mm -hmm. guidance yeah. help thoughts mm -hmm. like we see somebody who's presented with this evidence and yet i really believe the way he processes the evidence and or as we find out later the way that evidence is coming back to him is wildly distorted by him and like his own the things that he instilled in his own creations that then just made more misery even in places where like there wasn't that much like it's just something where like he could not acknowledge beyond what he had already arrived at as a conclusion. And so although he wipes everyone's memories here, it is not really in a way to try and make things all even again. It's really just in a way that's very selfish because he himself can't really deal with this and he has no support it's, structures to deal it's with. It's really it. interesting to me that the the two most boring characters and and with this I'm grouping Hermes and Amon and Vendaniel all together. Uh, mm -hmm. the two most boring characters in 
the entirety of 14 are just these like very selfish guys. Like you have Hermes and you have Xenos and uh, uh, to Ishikawa's credit, at least Amon or Fan Daniel was like a little more interesting at the beginning of Endwalker. But then you get that thing where it's like, oh, he was kind of a cool character. So we're just going to keep bringing him back again and again and again and again. And it's Xenos all over again. And it's just like, I, uh... <laughs> to me, I, I think that this is just the moment that shows that Hermes is an ancient. He is part of that race because they all yeah. make these decisions. They all do. Hi- Vanat does. Emmett does. The entire convocation does. They are all about looking at the world through their filters and saying, no one will ever do blank. And that's what Hermes just did. And yes, he, he made it academically sound. Like, he made this a good debate by wiping memories. He's like, no, we're just going to tell them, and then it's not going to be fair. And, and even, like, Hithodice is like, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah. no, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's who they are. Like, yeah. That's how flawed they are, and I loved it. Like, and boring, I really really don't believe that he's boring Uh to me this was the the point where i was like i like this hermes character Mm. because it's just so incredibly flawed like he was so like oh i want him to do well and then you see the flaw and you're like and that's why he won't right this is Mm -hmm. why everything had to be the way that it was this is why that we couldn't change it these people think this way and it, it, it isn't everyone. You know, Vanah is a little bit different. But that's their society, and that's how they were born, and that's how they will be, because that's how they're taught. And I was like, okay, well, there you go. They just answered the question to, that I had about Hermes at all. Yes, mm-hmm. he is an ancient. All, all of his suffering is in line with the rest of them. And he did exactly what any of them would have done. Just judge. That's what they were used to doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is like a good time to bring back in the idea of um, how hard this expansion validated that maybe Hades never did have the right to be the one to judge humanity. Um, mm. And even even Yoshida was bringing that up during the last the, the last cast, like agreeing with some of the criticisms that were mm-hmm. lobbed at him by the, the Scion characters. Like we understand that as like an ancient who puts him, all this pressure on himself to save his society and restore his people and bring the world back to the way it was that you feel like this is your right. But what right do you have mm. to be the judge of humanity? And I mean, that is like in and of itself so poignant because like when we Mm -hmm. think about, again, like our own worlds and these parallels are not done for no reason. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, There is, I think, a sense that we all get at some point, but even more so when you are imbued with great power, great wealth, great status that um, and we see that with the ancients, right? They had great Mm -hmm. power. They had great knowledge. And so that unwavering confidence in that the decisions they make through logic and guess, you know, like, and they're like, this is the, the, you know, if I am going through this and with all my knowledge and all of my skill and all of my prowess and my position for being like a society that was supposed to be so homogenous in their own intellect, they have this great sense of hubris, the hubris and individualism. And so like, this facet to be something that expresses this idea that yes, like they believe that they have the right to judge others. And you're right. I think that that is like an incredible 
just it's an incredible little thing when you're thinking about it in the context of the game and you're like Emmett Selk judging others it's this big abstract mm-hmm. concept him judging races and dooming them to fall mm-hmm. but when we also think about ourselves just in individual sense what right do we have to judge others is a huge question right like who sets the standards for what makes people worth it for for their lives to have worth like that's oh that's like mm-hmm. a big thing you know what i mean and i think mm-hmm. the real answer is that none of us have the right yeah. we're all flawed right like it is not about judging it is about accepting and understanding and all of us together trying to right. learn and educate and and all these things right I think of it this way. What else would he have done with the answer? So let's say he got the answer from the Metia. What else would he have done other than judge his own civilization? That's what he was meaning to do in the first place. Yeah. He was trying to judge Maybe what have some they sort were of doing. Proof and be like, look, guys, you know, yeah. like, other societies do this differently and they're fine. Maybe we yeah. could try it. What if what if, if that- Metia came back and was like, so I found an answer. Uh, this, this one planet said uh, the whole, like, what's worth living for and stuff. Uh, candied apples. And he's like, I've been doing it right. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I thought that might be it. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys. I'm I'm sure we were all sitting there going, what about the dragons the whole time, yeah. right? Like, what about the dragons? Did we already them? have proof. They, yes. They, obviously, in, in Walker, we see that the planet as a whole was ruined. It, Lots of them did fall to the ruin of the planet. But we know that some were like, I will not give up. They're on our planet now. We have an example right here. Yeah, that, it's, that drove it, me a little bit nuts. Well, I agree. And it's really like, I still am on the fence about this. And I want to he- hear what all of you think. Because I, the way I rationalized this in my head, I was like, there have to be other civilizations. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. okay, if they're going to find a whole bunch of dead ones, and yet we know that there has been confirmed life elsewhere, then, like, they had to find alive ones. Like, there is no way that, I mean, maybe, maybe in this fantasy world, yes, every other civilization has died in the entire universe. And like uh, Midgard Stormer says, this is the last bastion mm-hmm. of hope. Can you say that in your world and your fantasy? Yes, you can, I guess. But for me, from my perspective, I'm thinking just statistically across the board, there have to be other civilizations that are in their peak right now that they came across. Well, so otherwise this- it'd be an awful waste of space. I'm yes. sorry, I just wanted so- <laughs> to quote contact. Yes, I agree. So oh like gosh. in my head then, it became this question of, was Hermes's prejudice the answer he had already arrived at, that there was no hope, that he was mired in his own despair, did that in and of itself affect the Metia so that they mm. either only sought these out or as we kind of get a hint of later may have furthered civilizations to their end, mm-hmm. which is kind of a big thing um, because of the despair that they didn't know how to grapple with. Or is this truly the canonical state of the universe in that we really are one of the last places that life exists. And if we want to go explore space at any point in the future, we're gonna have to like repopulate the planet there's, or something. I don't. I mean, there's there's a few ways that you can approach that this, right? I paradox. think, right? One one way is like the the full out like Final Fantasy universe thought of like, well, Gilgamesh came from somewhere, mm. right? The idea that like Gilgamesh is like the same Gilgamesh in all the games or something, right? The idea that there's all the yeah. <laughs> hi, hi, <Chris. laughs> how you doing? Um, right? There's there's that kind of line of thought. There's the line of thought of okay, well initially right when Meteon went out there 
yes, she found some civilizations after she ran into them. They're like, let's blow each other up. And so they were gone. But then also you have to remember there was a lot of time between then and present day. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do know is that she basically prevented more life from being created. But that's also not to say that during this entire time, she didn't go and maybe destroy mm-hmm. other worlds or something. We don't we don't know for sure, right? We know she targeted Ethera specifically, but that's not to say that there could have been other planets with life that were affected by this as well. I think she says at the end, I need to find the line, but I think there is like a piece of dialogue with her where she like apologizes she, or she talks about the fact that she did further other civilizations to their end. Um, doing, yeah. I'm, I guess, something similar to what she would have done to a theories. So, like, yes, she mm-hmm. has had a hand in it, but when that started, I don't know. You know, like, yeah, the other, yeah. the other potential uh, way that I could see this playing out, um, it's it's like the the sacred timeline being broken from like Loki, mm-hmm. right? It's that idea of okay, we know that time passes differently, at least on the first, right? Whether or not mm-hmm. the first is just out there in space or dimensions or right, we whatever, right? We'll put that aside. But the idea of that time could pass it differently on other planets at the end of Endwalker, she's like, all right, I'll let you know planets be able to like live and stuff again, and so like maybe. You know, with the way that time progressed on those civilizations, maybe there's just full other civilizations out there again, and it's like nothing ever happened. I I mean, you get into time travel and then traveling across the universe and thinking about light speed and then the fact that if you're traveling close to light speed, you don't age. And and like, let's not like maybe maybe they don't even do light speed. Maybe they do plaid. Right. I mean, they. I don't know. Like, I don't even want to start to speculate. Oh, Rook didn't get that works. reference. Rook didn't get that reference. That's a Star Balls reference. Star- <laughs> what is Star Balls? Or not Star Balls. Space Balls. Space Balls. <laughs> you yeah. can't even say Star- it right, Fusion. Star Balls, I think, Star Balls I think, is the adult film uh, version uh, of that. But yeah, oh, no, Space no. Balls. They, they, they oh, go, no. uh, instead of light speed, they go to hyperactive, and the, the beam yeah. trail that comes from their ship is plaid. Yeah. It's just something to know. But yeah, who knows about anyway. time travel and, and space travel. Let's not. <laughs> I really need yeah. to get that 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 uh, that one. Uh, the Lopperet thing just goes anyway. I need to get that as like a sound clip. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we would use that so much. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. It's an interesting point, whether or not that really is all she found, whether it was bad luck, whether it was something about Hermes's own preconceptions that caused this, whether mm-hmm. it was. Uh, yeah, because it, it does seem very bleak. And Aldino, I love that you pointed it out, especially for the future of the game. Like, right. wouldn't it be fun to go explore other planets once our own stories are done? I don't even know if they'll do that. And sometimes it goes very badly in mm-hmm. MMOs that have tried to do it. So, yeah. But I do feel like there's at least an open door now to do it in such a way that I genuinely think I would be excited about it. So... Yes, like maybe you go back and try to help repair some of the damage she did or go back with the dragons to their home world, which, as we all know, would be my personal <laughs> favorite pick. Uh, <laughs> but right. it just does seem it seems very weird that truly in the entire universe, they would have only found just death. I, yeah, maybe I'm just too hopeful as a person. But Going I don't back to I the, refuse even that. the dragons. <laughs> yes, the dragon world was already it was already dying. It was, it was already, there was already a problem there. But people left that world, went to other worlds. People from the other worlds 
could have also left that, finding them either dying or unsatisfactory. Algans had spaceships. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to try someplace else. Yeah. Like, I I find it impossible. I find it impossible. It's, it's, I'm going to keep harping on Fermi Paradox and and concepts about it. It's a great filter. What civilizations pass through that filter and why? Some of them Mm. kill each other in nuclear Armageddon. I don't really want to say that right now, but some do, as we saw in the dead ends. Um, But most, there's got to be some reason why we don't hear from them. That's our idea of this paradox. There's some reason. So we have to conceptualize from that side going this way. And since in 14, we have contact with other civilizations. Yeah, who knows? There had to maybe, well, she ran into bliss in one planet with dead ends, but they were just killing themselves. Mm. So that's technically a good end. Technically. Technically. Wow. Yeah, sure. Anyway. We'll that as a good end. It's not I despair. Mean, I, that's true. They were pretty jazzed about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Being we yeah, worship, kill us. Woo! I mean, Rala is it Rala? Yeah, Rala. Yeah. I think Rala yeah, is last actually one. gorgeous. So mm-hmm. I don't. I guess I don't blame them. And and much, and but... Yoshida said during that Q and A too, if if the final days didn't happen, if things didn't mm-hmm. happen the way it would have, that last civilization in dead ends, that would have been the the ancients. Yeah, kind of his, roughly his how concept, how yeah. that would have yeah, gone. They very yeah. well, could have gone. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're done with debating. Just kill yeah. us. Woo! Yeah. We know everything. That yeah. whole planet is so beautiful. I would I would not be sad to go back there. We'll give it some new life. It deserves mm-hmm. to be lived on. It's so gorgeous. I love that color scheme. That's beside the point. Let's get back to the war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that well, sad, uh, dead planet where everyone turned into butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Something I, uh, I wanted to, to loop back to was mm-hmm. um, as we are escaping with Vinat, uh, Emmett Selk says to us, uh, do not squander it, the legacy I leave you. And it kind of... Initially, it's very touching, of course. Um, it just adds more layers onto the duality of this character. Um, but at the same time, the legacy I leave you. He's still kind of focusing on himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do this. I give you this. Mm-hmm. Okay. What it, You know, now that you bring that part up, too, there's, there's always that, a part of that scene that I, I wasn't I wasn't really sure of like how to react to it. That part where when he says that, but then you like reach back to him. You're like, Emmett! like it I don't what what did you, did you guys feel like that was like a a good representation of like what your warrior of hmm. light, like how you would have reacted to that? Cause I would have just been looking and be like, yeah, all right. I would have been like reaching out for him or something. Like, I don't know. That felt like a little over dramatic, maybe for for me. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Nobody knows. No, okay, moving it. on. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's personal to the to Warrior of Light. You know, we'll yeah. talk about a certain question that you get asked later and how people responded to it. Um, it's personally, I mean, no, I would have just been fighting to stay there. Like, fuck that. No, don't send me out of here. I mean, I know it's the only way that it works, but uh, my Warrior of Light would have been like, let's just keep fighting this guy. Like, he's not dead yet. Like, <laughs> we can fix this. <laughs> I, but, I um... you know. I I didn't think like I didn't think the story could make me like Emmett Selk more. Obviously mm. when we first get this character, I was like, eh, and then through Shadowbringers, I really like I'm not rook levels of love on, on Emmett Selk here. <laughs> but but I do really 
enjoy the way the character was formed and written. I think yeah. he's, he's an excellent character. And uh, I think in, in the face of uh, you, you almost had a chance to remember this and to change so much of what happened and it's being taken away from you. I think that's dramatic enough for me to like, no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I hated uh, Emmett's like at the end of Stormblood. I was like, he, he gave off a lot of like Arden vibes for me from yep. like 15. I was like, I hated Arden in 15. I hate him in 14. And then they made him like so good in Shadowbringers. I was like, well done. Moose, what were you going to say? I'm going to I'm going to save a lot of it for later, I think, because I think this is a very big cutscene towards the end of the game. Um, but uh, the meaning I make of it, I actually start to really enjoy Emmett Selk's duality because of his last couple cutscenes, where he starts to realize that if what had happened is that Emmett's or not Emmett, Vana was able to pull all these weaves of time and wrap them all together and create this one timeline and that there's an illusion that this is the only way it ever happened. The only way it always was this is, you know, what happened happened that we can no longer see all the other strands that are in this weave. Um, if that's what happened, then she set this up for him to be the conjunction of it, that he's, mm. he's the keystone holding up, this conjunction of hers that he's like right at the center of it, making sure it all works the way it's supposed to. And I think his role in that enables his duality because he's able to simultaneously be true to himself, never give up on his people, be our antagonist and play the role he needs to play to get humanity to where they need to be and to embrace that life goes on without him. And at the very end of it all to say, like, I played my part in destroying and saving the world. And now the world that follows is not the world I fought for and loved. And I need to go. And I think that that enables his duality in a really cool way where we get to kind of see recursive parts of a whole right. instead of two mm -hmm. contradictory things. And I really, really enjoyed that about him. Yeah. It's very realistic. No, no person is consistent as hard as as hard as you try. Like I, I, it is important to attempt to be consistent, especially in the things that make you a good person, I guess. But everyone slips always, and just seeing that uh, duality in him in such a big way, a massive scale. Let's be honest. I think is very real, even in a completely fantasy world. Yeah, he is fascinating. I mean, it, I think, takes a very specific kind of person to to stick to convictions the way that he does as an entity and, like, as, you know, identity. And, Moose, the way you put that about him being sort of the linchpin, in that sense, you almost understand that Vinat must have believed that, yes, if, like, anybody was going to be the one that would do this forever for all time, it would be him. He's the mm -hmm. most stable element, so we're going to tie so many things around this. And like with what she knew from the, the bits and pieces that we had, you know, told and, and shared as well to have like that reinforcement of, yes, he probably is the one that will make this in a sense continue and and one continuous timeline. Um, and it's so funny to me because like he did terrible things mm -hmm. like this is not to justify that, like the loss of life is OK because of his beliefs. Right. Not at all. Not at all. But the fact that, like, the entire time 
he plays the unshaking hero for his people in a way that like no one else could he in so many ways is i guess valorous in that sense mm -hmm. because like when you're thinking about the hero it's somebody who never gives up somebody who despite all odds keeps fighting it's somebody who all these things and we see all the other Asians around him fall prey to something whether it is the the spotty corruption of their own memories whether it's losing their mind in the void whether it's the passage of time and they just go a little bit weird maybe it's like mm -hmm. all these different things that cause i think the others to get warped and he does get warped in a sense because of again he says i don't mm -hmm. recognize the person that i became but when you think about it it's funny to me because i almost feel like it's less that he changed and more that he was one of the only elements that couldn't change in a world that had if if like that right. makes mm -hmm. sense because it's... go ahead oh i was just gonna say she was or he was the the chess piece that she knew exactly what he was gonna that's do that's true she, she straight she up plan around it yeah. yeah she could plan around it because she also knows that is him anyway like mm -hmm. we didn't give her every single thing that he did and we didn't have to she knows that if he is there he is going to do this period. This is what he's going to be working for 100% of the time. He will never waver. And that will give me the space that I need to kind of weave around it. This is why it worked. This is why the Warrior Flight was able to tell me. Because, yeah, it did work. I know he will never change. Even though he did change, he still didn't in his convictions, you know? Mm -hmm. Everybody hasn't figured out more than he has himself figured out. Which is one of the things we see from Elpis. Azim so realistic has too. him dead to right. Azim has him dead to rights. Hithlodeus, dead to rights. Vana knows exactly how to get under his skin. Everybody knows exactly what he's going to do. But that is usually the right thing. And I think he has that, that line to, towards the end, too. Um, oh, I, I'm probably going to mess this up, but he says something about like how his convictions were uh, like ins insatiable? Invinci I know, invincible, he said. Oh, inviable or something in like that? Yeah, something and then like invincible. That. And invincible, of course, is the yeah. name of the music played during the Hades fight. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that was that was a, a cool line, too. But anyway, um, yeah. we are we, here we are. We're at the end of Elpis now. That's it. We're, we have the, the cutscene. Oh, man. I started tearing up just thinking about it. Right I was now. I was gonna say, do you need to grab like a box of tissues just in case, Rook? Do you need to? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I'm just gonna cry, and you're all gonna have to accept that. It's yep. such big Metal Gear Solid Four microwave chamber energy that it just it hit me exactly <laughs> in that way, dragging yourself through. I mean, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's I think it's interesting that I mean we've seen answers be redefined already right mm -hmm. uh first we had end of an era and then it, you know it's having it here you know knowing that there's like a literal question <laughs> now right which is wild that they were able to make that work how they did um and to see this cutscene where we were returning back to the first right through uh the uh like interdimensional rift yeah yeah uh, so i'm like there was a name for it what was it <laughs> um and you go through you see that hermes yes does become fan daniel and then you go to the final days um and this this i mean this is this is like the cutscene of the expansion like hands down nothing tops this um i don't know there's the one with Orion J. I'm just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> Forget Orion J. It is a, it's a joke. Um, but yeah, like, 
we see the final days happening. We see Emmett Selk talking to Hithlidaeus and then Hithlidaeus kind of like waves and leaves. And then the narration is like that day, like half the planet sacrificed themselves and you realize, oh shit, like Hithlidaeus was part of that group. Mm. And Vanat is just walking through the streets, watching creation magic go nuts, monsters showing up, eating people. Um, and then she comes to, this is all while answers is playing too, right? This is like, like, end of an era like think of it like like a music video for for answers this is the new one this is the better one um with with a little in between but then she finds this group of people and the the music shifts to that kind of like organ uh version of answers from the binding mm-hmm. coil um and it's this 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 whole group that are basically like look if we can't be happy all the time ever again like you know it's just it's this crazy scene and vana just kind of comes to the realization of like we can't move forward how we are like the way that everybody is acting right now like it's just it's not gonna happen everybody can't accept that you know sometimes you need to feel sad and that's okay um and she kind of makes that decision right there she you know her sword like appears she's like all right this is i'm doing the thing like I, you know, I was gonna talk to you guys. Maybe we could. No, you're gonna. All right, we're gonna sunder everything. And it's just this incredible cutscene that they they weave in the the lyrics for answers. I think mm. perfectly, and it's it's when you think about what this song was originally created for. Like ultimately, we don't know, right? Like what ideas <laughs> yeah. may be they they had when they wrote the lyrics for the answers in 1.0 but the way that they've been able to take that and redefine what it means i think is incredible i yeah 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 cuz like like the joke i've been making as a 1.0 player who was around the first time i heard answers was like the 2010 preview where they yeah. were just showing you little bits of cutscenes long before we were even they're in like beta. they're like and check out like, benchmark scenes cool mm-hmm. it was before we were like stuck in limsa forever and all that like it was it was our first real thing from the game and and over the years we've seen those lyrics reinterpreted over and over and over maybe it's really about the Asians. maybe it's really about the Alagons. maybe it's really about the dragons over and over and over again and I, I started to make this joke that answers is just a cloud you can see any shape you want to in. Um, and at the same time, for years, I've had this interpretation of what it means uh, in terms of if you don't experience suffering, you don't live the full human reality. And that in order to be these people who have lives that mean what they mean to us, suffering has to be a part of that. And that without that, we become whatever our antagonists would end up being. And I was really kind of simultaneously amazed how that could hold true through this entire expansion. And yet I didn't know shit about what that song was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Like not even close. So yeah. like, and I expected, I expected this scene to play out so differently too, because like I expected they were going to accommodate all those people who wanted that M night Shyamalan, you know, like mm-hmm. Heidelin has made mistakes. Heidelin maybe didn't know all the answers, you know, like this was going to be her weepy. I had no 
choice moment. And instead we get there and like the cinematography is like when Anakin turns on his lightsaber mm-hmm. in front of all the younglings, like, holy crap. Yep. And like <laughs> as they're zooming out from that, she's just like stern voice, total confidence. Like if you're all determined to walk down the same road, the other civilizations Medion discovered <laughs> did then for the sake of the stars, screw all y'all. Like, yep. I did not see that coming. No. I mean, I, the thing is, though, okay, so no joke, I pulled it up to rewatch it while we were talking mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just needed to. I just needed to. And I was struck again by, she, like, she does try to reason with them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She tries to put That's forth. That's kind of, she, like, that her final attempt, yeah. right? It is literally, you know, like, the lyrics in the song, I mean, like you said, it's incredible because, yes, obviously they fit certain things here. And yet it's funny because, I mean, you all know this. We've talked about it. I did a music video dressed as Vinat before the expansion even released. I had no idea this cutscene was going to be in it. But as I was looking over the lyrics and we had this piece about, you know, the Lady of Light. We had at least seen her in the mm-hmm. end of the stuff with the patches. And you literally have, you know, these these lines about, like, our souls have been torn. Um, you know, all these different things where I was going... They have made this work like in a way that, again, I don't think they intentionally wrote Mm -hmm. it like this with this in mind. Right. But to the references where I was like, if this is not what this will mean, then I. I don't know nothing about nothing about reading into songs or lyrics or stories or narrative or anything. And I like to think I know a little something about it. And so to like get this cutscene. One, after having just banked so much in time and energy and you fly out to Oklahoma, we did this whole music video. We did a whole thing about it, right? And for it to have meant so much in that context and then to see them use it in the game like this. Like, and not only that, but like you get this sense that she almost to the last moment has hope for her own people. Like mm-hmm. they can choose something different. Like we talked about society can change, right? Where she's literally watching them sacrifice themselves to this hope turning their backs on the acknowledgement that there is suffering again you get a bit more context about why hermes may have felt like he couldn't have reached out again does it justify what he did no but like that a society and or we as individuals could be so consumed by the idea of utopia which we see iterated upon whether it's the concept of you know heaven-like areas you know, mm-hmm. religion is an entirely different thing. But like we see this idea of utopia, the perfect society, the perfect paradise, the perfect land, like this dream that we have that's beyond what's attainable now, but that we could only get to if things were perfect. If we summoned a god, if we, mm-hmm. you know, purged build the bad elements, if we built a big tower, if we all these different things. And Vinat says in this last moment, it is not there our happiness is here, but we have to accept that happiness is not one thing. <laughs> it is everything that we experience. And there is no way to eliminate the suffering that gives us meaning. There is no way to eliminate sorrow, right? These are not things we need to be afraid of or look away from or at all costs try to avoid because they are our lives. They are our experience. We have to learn to embrace them and the people turn their back on her and mm-hmm. they raise their hands to a god that will consume them and that is when she makes this decision and like it is so profound because you're right moose when she makes that choice it is 
unwavering. Like you get yeah. the sense that she has been, she was like, this is my last hope, but if they cannot do it, then I have to. And like, oh, it just like, ah, it gets me, it just gets me. It's same feels as once again, dead ends. I killed them all. To me, it's the same yeah. feels. It's that like, I was pushed to do this. I don't want to, but I did it. Now there's regret in that example. I don't, I don't believe we see very much regret from Vana or Heidelin. I mean, a little, but not all that much. And I think that's very important. Yeah. Because seeing what she saw, she was convinced, and that was it. Yeah. She was. She was completely dedicated to mm-hmm. her. Her. Re, her. What. What she decided to end up doing. You know. Mm-hmm. There was that total. You know, again, like we said, at that in that cutscene, she wasn't wavering. She wasn't like, oh, I don't really want to do this. She's like, we're doing this. Yeah. Let's go. You know, and was just really firm and getting it done. So. I hate to be the one to do mm-hmm. this. But. Her supposed convocation. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. Six point one. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Miss of the Realm, right? I don't know. Like that's yeah, my, I, I'm that was a good I'm point. I'm holding off on that question yeah. until after Miss of the Realm. Like, yeah. for all we know, we could get answers before then. Um, we could get answers after then. I think there were some lines that that suggested that um, Heidelin Summoners actually knew, kind of based on what was going on, what had happened to the convocation. It was possible it could happen to them. So they actually sacrificed their whole life energy mm-hmm. to this and died to bring Heidelin into form. Right. Um, so that might just be where they are in her. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's also the question of, can she, like with Elidibus, kind of send them back out as emanations of herself? Or did mm-hmm. she send them back into the sea to be the people that she gives the special powers to every right. time? We don't we don't know, but we, we, please look forward to six point. Dur- during that kind of scene, they're all just, yeah, they're all just chilling in, uh, at the uh, Heidelin campaign headquarters. She's like, so <laughs> I might need to sunder us. Can you guys just stay here? I might just absorb your ether. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we don't really see here, and I think that's a good point. Um, of course, there is the debate, like, if she spared, because we do know that she kind of created loopholes for others to escape, is it mm-hmm. possible she even spared them? And or that, like, the iterations of the 14 that we see as gods, myths of the realm, have something to do with that and how they restabilize the planet afterwards? Like, we really have no idea. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I was kind of surprised as well, because when I envisioned this scene, I imagined that it would be, like, her surrounded by her convocation mm-hmm. and then they you know um i wasn't expecting yeah. it to be exactly like this and yet it's also really uh interesting because they did use actual set pieces that we've already seen in the final days in that dungeon so like yep. yeah. that room if you go into the final days like you see the bodies around like the you know like they use these set mm-hmm. pieces that i think um really like again tied it together in this way and i mean of course we haven't talked about it yet but the line the line mm. with the hold on henceforth he shall walk did, did you yeah. just did you just say is it possible uh hello floating space clocks right. Final <laughs> Fantasy? Is it possible? yes it is yes it's possible <laughs> It's possible. Yes, but the line, no more shall man have wings to bear him to paradise. Henceforth, he shall walk. That, to mm-hmm. me, does feel like the like crux of the expansion. Right. Um, that's, that's her thesis. You know, that's her, like, this is, this is how we will get to paradise. 
this is this is the way that I have uh, I have found. You know, this is my answer to the question of how the hell do we get through this great filter? Mm. That's the answer. It just like okay, we're going back on a rook emotion string because mm-hmm. I've held it in pretty good here for the, all of this. I feel like I'm pretty proud of how I've talked about this portion <laughs> of the game so far. I, I'm, sur- I'm surprised you're not <laughs> drowning in a pool of your own tears. Yep. Very soon I will be probably, but I mean, like, if you haven't just, you probably know the lyrics now to this song because you heard it 50 times, but I mean, like, this song is just so beautiful in that sense. And that line, I, I just, even, I'm sorry, I'm processing. I have so many feelings. Mm-hmm. Like even Hermes, like if you look at this, the idea of wings to bear to paradise and the imagery of something mm-hmm. like Indian who flew to try and find other worlds, like all this stuff, this idea, again, that our happiness lies somewhere other than within our lives, somewhere other than within our reality. The grass is greener. There's something better. There's something bigger. There's a paradise awaiting me. Um, and then you even tie in all these other ideas of like the people who want to, I mean, when you think about like fast track or the people who, again, we were saying about judgment and the ancients pass judgment on others, that we think there is an easier way all always oh god here it comes we think that there is always an easier (laughs) way that if things were just different we could be happier we could be more productive we could be better if if other people didn't mess things up for us our lives would be better if if there's just so many iterations of this right that this idea that like we are always at war with our within ourselves and and or in conflict with others, believing that the world we have and the way we experience it is not something where we can navigate to find ourselves in a happier place. And this cutscene to me, I just thought was so beautiful. All lore questions aside about summoning and everything, you know, like from just a pure experiential standpoint, the idea that we don't fly, we take one step after another. We pick each other up we keep walking sometimes we stumble sometimes the world burns around us sometimes we think there's nothing better or a a, a better future ahead of us we dream of paradises that don't exist we think of the what ifs but all you can ever do is keep walking forward keep that taking that next step try to find the next thing help the people along the way this song is an incredible crux for them to have based this whole expansion off of, in a sense. And now, at a time more than ever, when we are divided for so many reasons, I mean, gosh, the conflict with Ukraine is raging right now, the pandemic, depression, isolation. Um, I think we needed, now more than ever, a reminder that sometimes our happiness isn't just taking that next step. I don't know. I just... um. Sorry, I just like I get very emotional about this. This dynamis, man, it's (laughs) contagious. It's like it's like when somebody yawns and then you yawn. It's like Uh, that might be dynamis. We don't know why it happened. (laughs) Yeah, it might be. Who knows? Like, it's just that we think that everything has to be easy to be worthwhile or attainable. But sometimes it is brutal and our lives are hard and we're in our darkest places and we think there's no way I can keep going. It's that if you had the strength, would you take another step? And like, sometimes that strength comes from other people. It comes from our own convictions. It comes from 
what small joys we can find in life. It comes from watching Grahatia eat a, gra a hamburger. It comes <laughs> from putting yourself in a sandwich between three ancients that are so beautiful because you're so pansexual and you just want to be there forever. And that makes you happy. <laughs> you sometimes. sometimes it is the catharsis of this, of acknowledging that your struggles are valid and that suffering and the things that you've experienced are seen because we have all experienced it. You are not alone. You are not Hermes. We have all stumbled beside you. <sighs> to see this song, which has meant so many things to me that I could talk about for five hours on this podcast, literally and probably not run out of things to talk about, be given <clears throat> this realization in the game that is of a scale that I think was needed now more than ever, is what has made this expansion to me one that is truly unforgettable. And um, just was needed. That's all. Sorry, normally I try to be much more composed when I speak on a podcast, but... <laughs> I really did find that there were times in this expansion I lost all composure. And this was one because, um, yeah. It's a really good cutscenes, you guys. <laughs> oh, it was really good. It was really good. Oh my <sighs> gosh. I'm just, I'm just sitting here like, I love MMOs. <laughs> yep. I know, right? This just, this wouldn't be possible in another format. Just like mm -hmm. the, yeah. The mutual support and the mutual introspection, even through a fictional medium that we can find together. And just again, like that was the whole point of Endwalker, making a meaning of life. And I feel like that's what we're sitting here doing together is making a meaning of life. Yeah, we are answering together. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> One more time, Aldino. What are we doing? <laughs> answering together. <laughs> <laughs> I just like making it worse. <sighs> you're mean, you're mean. All it's right. for a good reason. It's catharsis. You gotta push through emotions. Emotions are a tunnel. You have to experience it fully. The tissues are in the other room though. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well that's a that's an then issue. I'm gonna read I'm just gonna start reading some of the lyrics for you. I want you to think about them really <laughs> deeply. Just I use your you sleeve. You gonna... Just uh -huh. just <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for her to blow her nose into the blanket, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, um, it is like it is something else. It is something else. This expansion and this moment to me was one of the ones that again transcended the conventions of storytelling to become something more. In the way, yes, we keep making the dynamist joke, but it was so experiential, and music in and of itself gives you such an emotional sense. It is a language of emotion. And then to pair that with this cutscene, and like, I mean, in a literal sense, yes, to see Vinat's journey, to see the eons she's had to traverse, to see the rise and fall of civilization. Um, one of the lines from Answers that has always gotten me is that one, tell us why given life we are meant to die, helpless in our cries, that like, we have this thing, whether it's paradise or it is life that is so beautiful and so meaningful in whatever way and so transient and that there is this sense of, yes, like, should we just relinquish it? Does it matter in the end if we're going to lose it? And I mean, even from an ex like an expansion standpoint, 
Moose, you're talking about MMOs being an incredible format for this kind of narrative. And I agree with you because we literally like live a life together. We go through these together. I was watching this cutscene thinking about the fact that there were other people walking beside me watching this cutscene while we played it together. I was thinking about the fact that the expansion experience in and of itself is transient and like will be mm -hmm. over before we know it. And we look forward to the next thing, right? But um Yes, it's a very special cutscene in this game, and I think it just ties the artistry of so many things together. I, I, oh, Zed, I thought for a second you got up to go get tissues because I saw Philip walking behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're still here, snuggling your blanket. Um, it's it's so beautiful. I don't know if there's anything else to say about it that wouldn't just be me crying all over myself quoting <laughs> the song. So. <laughs> uh, I was going to joke, but not really joke. We should just do an episode where we analyze the lyrics. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. to go around. I will for have that. my tissues with me that day. Well, you know, you could do pandemonium. That's just fun, right? <laughs> yeah, that one is spicy. That's a spicy song in this game. Oh my <laughs> yes, gosh, the lyrics now. Remember to we'll just we'll just remember to hydrate. Friday, we'll just drink yeah. like twenty bottles of water, and then yeah, uh, gotta we'll hydrate just... for multiple reasons. Yeah. All right. Well. I think we, we did it. We did it. We did Elpis, everybody. It's here. We we got through it. You guys know that last verse of Answers that's about how your life is a riddle and it has to bear both rapture and sorrow. Mm -hmm. But then you got to like listen to it and suffer and then entrust your hopes for tomorrow. You know that I one? do. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. I just want to think about that. I just want to sit in that one a little bit more. Yeah, I we got, could put I that on. This page. <laughs> Can we just the listen to philosophy. answers for like five minutes? <laughs> no, one day we'll do the philosophy podcast. Moose, you're definitely invited. I'd love to talk about stoicism and, 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 uh, and Walker. I'd love to. My gosh. I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Moose, I know you could go on like a small TED talk about the use of nihilism in the discussion following. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. After, after all the nihilism existentialism debates over Xenos. Yeah, oh, that's my goodness. Come back later. Mm. Woo. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, this yeah. cutscene's amazing. That's I mean, like honestly. It's it's just a really good cutscene. That's just what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good cutscene. It's a really, really, really ridiculously good cutscene. Um it's it very makes, beautiful. It makes the the last little incident, we'll call it an incident, <laughs> with Xenos. Just it doesn't matter. I don't care. Do you know do you know where this yeah. cutscene got me of all people? Like as someone who played this game for so long? When you first start when you first realize what's going on when it's first starting and you first hear kind of the harp coming in and you, you see mm -hmm. the final days in the in the sky if you pay close attention the sounds of the final days meteors blowing up over amarat as answers plays are the same sound effects they used for the meteors falling during Dalamud's fall mm. when they played answers during that and the fact that it mirrored it so exactly as soon as that happened i was just like Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see, I okay. Here I come love that the feels. Detail. Yep. You are right. They did do that. They did so many little things yeah. in there to like kind of tie it in. Yeah, it, I got to the point in this expansion where I would hear the like bum 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 bum, and I'd just be like, oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> like, We're playing the song again. <laughs> uh, that Pavlovian the, response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that little bit. Um. I think it's right at the beginning where uh, you see Emmett Selk realize what Hithlodes is going to do. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm, I've, I've 
decided that I'm going to do this thing to try and save the world and I'm going to lose the other person. Like, because we already know that Azem was like, you guys are doing nah. the wrong thing. I got to go. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he has his Lodius and his Lodius is like, I got to go die now. Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, just so many little moments in that moment, you know, and we know from the moon and the other things that we've heard that like, obviously we've seen him there. His spirit is still in there. And we know that the Asians themselves apparently went to just visit the planet and just stand there and just like look at Zodiac. And like, oh my God. imagine Emmett Selk and I mean, we can kind of we can kind of intuit that because of Emmett Selk's Tundere kind of energy that mm-hmm. he may not have had many friends yeah. and that the few that he did have, you know, a lot of respect from people and things like that. But I imagined he was very, very like invested in the people that put up with him and loved him. And like the fact that Azem and Hathodius both were such pivotal figures um, to just imagine him like standing there on that moon knowing that Hithlodius was waiting. Like, it gets me. Like, mm-hmm. I think about if any of the people that I care about and any of you, like anyone that like means anything in my life were there in stasis and you're thinking about like, we'll just get the world back to how it was. Like, I know that there might be things on this planet that like tempt me. There might be lives that I see, that there might be things that I see that are like the world I once knew, but I have to remember I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. And like the thought of like them just constantly going up there during that whole cutscene and that moment where he's like, bye. And you can tell that he's being himself. Like he's not getting all teary about it. Mm-hmm. He's not getting, you know, he's got that kind of like funny, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And like, you know, yeah, you imagine the resignation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. like and it's something he believes in and he's going to to sacrifice to save their world. And it's like then you think about Emmett Selk trying to confront himself like I have to sacrifice too, like if I am going to save them. And it's oh I just oh it just now, gets me. Now now in my head I'm just thinking of like Emmett Selk, you know, over the years doing what he's been doing every so often, kind of looking up at the moon, thinking about it, and Hithlidaeus just looking back at Ethereus going, You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for Elpis. We've got maybe one more question mark. Uh, lower like, cast. Uh, mm. We're going back to Labyrinthos. We're going Ultima I'm Thule. Gonna say, I'm going to say two mm. if we include the two. Let's go. Oh, two. roll quest. That's a thing. Yeah. It's a lot to talk about. One to two. Them. One to two more roll quests. Um, next week, however, is live letter. Uh, we're going to be getting another live letter. This will be uh, the one for 6.1. So maybe we'll finally get a little bit of an idea of where the story will be going. Uh, hopefully. I mean, I want to know. I want to know. There's so many options. Um, so that'll be next week. Um, I Let me. I had it pulled up. Where did it go? Uh, it'll be March 4th. Uh, unfortunately, this one is going to be at 3 a.m. Pacific. So, uh, presentation also audio will only be in Japanese. We've been, we've been getting spoiled for the, the last handful of these, um, but they're kind of going back to the the, the the old ways here. So, three a.m. Uh, Friday, March fourth, um, and then uh, yeah, the next day uh, on the fifth, that'll be next Saturday. We'll be talking about it. So, uh, probably a week after that, we'll get back into Lorecast. Man, I didn't think we would be these Lorecasts. We're like, oh yeah, two parts, sure, and then it's like th- uh, twenty different parts over like three months. It's uh, it's like twenty parts over three months. It sounds like a Kingdom Hearts like game title. Like it's absurd. Um, <laughs> so 
if you would like to contact us, intro, outro, not intro. Intro is the first one. Outro is the last one. I'd be, I'd be weird. I figured it out. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you can find me, uh, all the things, uh, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube at Rafflederg. Zen, where can they find you? Hello, I'm Zenidra. You can find me on Twitter at Zenidra underscore A. Sometimes I might do something on Twitch. You can find me at Strawberry Bop. Uh, also, I do um, another Twitch thing. It's a D&D show with my friend Aldi, you know. It's called Plus One Shot. Plus the word, one the number, shot the word. And we have that archived on YouTube also. Aldino, where can they find you? Only here. No, I mean, and also. <laughs> you say uh, it like Twitter. so weird. Here. <laughs> That's it. Tonight. Sunday, no Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, wait, Sunday, Saturday, su- sorry. <laughs> At the Tacoma <laughs> Dome. Saturday, the edge. Uh, but yeah, only here, uh, only fans. I am still working on that. Uh, you know, I'm going to register. I'm going to see what I, what kind of content they'll let me put on there. They'll let me put more dissertations about jobs. That's fine. Uh, maybe I'll post those there. You know, you can definitely pay for them. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, and lastly, Rook, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere, Rookery, R-O-O-K-U-R-I. Uh, that's Twitch, YouTube. On Twitter, it is Rookery underscore, though. Rookery underscore. Um, and although I know that this is a different game, so sorry. Uh, I, do I was, was going to tell you to plug this, too. I mean, you got some, some cool stuff going on right now. Um, I do also play Guild Wars 2, and I am very, very excited that for the launch of their new expansion, which is happening this Monday, uh, I will actually be the pre-show host for their launch day celebration live stream. So if you are around, if you want to tune in, if you want to cheer me on, 9 a.m. CT, I will be live on their official channel, so Guild Wars 2 channels on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Um, And I will be doing a full breakdown of the story in the game, including a new background segment on the history of the like world portion that we're the world map that we're going to um, in this new expansion. And yes, I've been able to preview some content for them and release some videos on it. So if you are curious, check that out, uh, as well as my Endwalker playthrough where you can watch me cry in person. That's on my YouTube. (laughs) You can watch me cry the first time. Yeah, if you missed the uh, the previous uh, Guild Wars to uh, sum up that she did, it was really great. So don't miss this one. Thanks, Fred. So good. Uh, Moose, where can people find you on the internet? Thanks to Rook, now in a glass box of emotion. But <laughs> no. It's a tissue uh, box of emotion. Make sure, to, make sure to poke holes so you can breathe. Oh, my God. How do you poke holes in glass? Very carefully. On the next, on the Every, next floor cast. <laughs> all, the, all the names are a little different on Twitter. I'm at Anani Moose XIV. On Twitch, I am just Onwill, A-N-W-Y-L-L. Um, I made that to stream Endwalker so that we could do all that together, so we could do new content together. I'd love to do more than just that, but like I, I, I've been having a real hard time balancing real life and game life lately, so it's it's been a real struggle. I'm trying my best. I'm so sorry. You're doing but, great. Apologize. Apologize. Real other, life than, other than that, other than that, you can find me on pretty much any Discord with a lore room, especially Gamer Escapes. So pop in, say hi, ping me, DM me. I don't care. Call, like, ask any question you want. There you go. <laughs> Within uh, reason. <laughs> Whether um, I will answers up for grabs, but hey. you can ask. There you go. Uh, if you want to email us here at the podcast, uh, you can email us radio at gamerscape.com. You can also tweet at us at radio. Uh, you can also find us 
on Gamer Escape on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Discord. Discord.gg slash Gamer Escape. We have an A3 radio channel. We have a lore channel. Uh, all sorts of stuff. So come uh, hang out and chat with us. Um, real quick, too, before we end this, I just want to real quick. Uh, the world has been super crazy this past week. Um, please remember to take care of yourselves. Take care of those around you. Um, it's okay to not be okay. Um, and, you know, don't be doom scrolling on Twitter if that's making your, your days more miserable. Um, just, you know, take care of yourselves. I just wanted to make sure to, to get that out there. Uh, and on that super positive note, uh, we will see you all here next week for a live letter. Uh, hope you're looking forward to it. We'll finally hear a little bit about 6.1, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>